is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Red Belt Report. The MMA podcast where we talk about everything that's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Bob Phelan. And I'm Brooke Phelan. And this week we have a special guest from the world of Rob Has a Podcast, the reality TV podcast. It's Alex Kidwell. How's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's really uh, it's awesome to get a chance to take a break from Big Brother and all the other stuff I talk about, the kind of crazy ridiculous stuff and uh talk about something i'm really enjoying and that is uh, a lot more serious in nature in many ways which is ultimate fighting it's uh it's fun stuff i'm really enjoying uh where the sport is at right now yeah no doubt about it and i'm uh i'm sure there's not a ton of crossover between uh reality tv and ufc but hey i'm in fan of both so i'm sure there's others out there yeah, I mean, I feel like there's definitely a nature to UFC, and maybe I, I feel like maybe the old school purists probably dislike this element of it, but there's definitely a high drama element to it that has come with the Conor McGregor's and some of the more uh, high flare personalities that we've seen in recent years, yeah. and I think that has led to uh, maybe an influx of fans that uh, otherwise weren't necessarily following the sport. Yeah, there's yeah. Go ahead. I, I I agree with that, but uh, and that's how I thought about this whole McGregor thing for a while, but now I feel like he's just been so successful and so dominant that he's, like, at the top of the sport where you can't really call his thing, like, I don't know, I, I get what you mean, like, the purists don't like the high drama of it all, but I don't know, maybe it's worth it. Yeah, it gets more Man. people in the sport, you know, that's always a good thing, get eyeballs on. Although, yeah, yeah, and after this fight, I mean, you know, it, it seems like with all these Conor fights, there was always... Uh, you know, someone saying like, well, you know, he fights uh, Mendez. It's like, well, he was a, a wrestler, but he's not a great wrestler. And he didn't have like a full camp or whatever. And then, you know, with uh, with uh, Aldo, it's like, ah, oh, that was a that was a fluke. And, right. You know, so so there's always like an excuse. But it's like, man, he just he made Eddie Alvarez look so easy that it's just like, what can you say at this point? Like, how can you discredit this guy? I still see people <laughs> saying like. Oh, Eddie's not as good as people think. Wait till he fights Khabib, all this stuff. You know, it's never going to end, and that's kind of what brings people in. They want to watch him lose just as much as they, people want to watch him win. And you yeah, got, yeah, absolutely. You got all the wrestling fans coming over with Brock Lesnar, CM Punk. I, I, I know a lot of purists don't like the, the trash talk and the drama of it all, but that's, I mean, obviously I'm a fan of reality TV. I like the drama. Uh, anything that adds more excitement and more anticipation to watch the fights, I'm, I'm for it. And I think you have to appreciate, if nothing else, you have to appreciate that Connor is like a marketing genius. Like he understands it better than I think even anyone at UFC does. Because how is Connor the only one that realizes the value of the moment at the end of the night of having both belts? Yeah, that's I mean, crazy. That's, that's the shot that you need. Like this is your whole premise is that it's, Champion versus champion, it's the opportunity for Connor for you to have your first ever two belt champion. 
And Connor seemed to be the only one in the whole building that recognized, like, no, this needs to happen. This needs to happen right now. And, like, <laughs> yeah. he was being a, kind of a dick about it. But, like, I understand why. Like, from a marketing perspective, that's, like, clutch. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's, you know, that's, like, it comes back to, like, wrestling and stuff like that. But, like, when you get a champion that gets two belts, like, they're always doing that shot. Like, you know, the, the show goes off air and they're posing with both the belts. Like, that's just, you know, that'll be on ESPN the next day. That's the that's the, the the uh, the sh- exact what's the word I'm looking for? That's the exact moment that you really want to capture. Yeah, I mean, that is what they built the whole thing up as. Like, that's like the whole make history the biggest event of all time. How? I mean, how? That was really silly. I mean, I couldn't <laughs> yeah. believe it when they didn't have two belts to give them. That was insane. <laughs> that was crazy. Dana White's like, "What? You didn't bring yours? Are you kidding?" <laughs> like, yeah. Go grab Tyron Woodley's real quick. Yeah, yeah, can you believe they went and grabbed Woodley's after what had gone th- gone down with him earlier in the night? <laughs> I'm sure he was guy. real happy about that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even think about that. That is extra <laughs> crazy. <laughs> it's such a mental like whirlwind for him all night. Like, it's just Bruce Buffer messing with him, and then Dana White coming and yanking his belt. Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy night. But I guess before we get too deep into it, just uh, want to introduce. Alex to our audience and see how he got into the sport and uh, who his favorite fighters are. So, yeah. So, uh, uh, my background, like you talked about, uh, at, at least with podcasting, is uh, Rob has a podcast, which is a reality TV podcast, and you know, uh, always been really into Survivor. Got me into Big Brother and you know some of these other shows. I really appreciate it more from like the strategy aspect than you know the high drama aspect. And I think, to be honest, like that's that's what I really enjoy about MMA and maybe that sounds weird, but to me there's a lot of strategy involved and I think it's very interesting to see people making, you know, the high impact, like very, very important decisions in split second moments. And, you know, I mean, obviously you see it with the, uh, the Chris Weidman fight last night. He chooses to go low at an exact moment. Yoel Romero comes with the high knee and he pays for it. Like these little decisions make huge differences. And I kind of like like the elaborate rock, paper, scissors that is like, you know, a guy who wants to like stand and bang doesn't necessarily want to get mixed up with a wrestler who doesn't necessarily want to get mixed up with someone who's good with jujitsu. Like there's a lot of just varying elements to it that to me has been very interesting. And I didn't really get into it until this summer. And, you know, it was the Brock Lesnar pay-per-view. That was, that was my transition from WWE. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to see what this is all about. I'm going to see what Lesnar looks like uh, actually, you know, in a real contest. And I really enjoyed that. I was like, oh, Lesnar's legit. And then, you know, apparently peed dirty. And I'm like, oh, that's a shame. But I kind of stuck with it. And I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. And I've kind of fallen off with the WWE a bit. But my love for UFC has really taken off. Awesome. Yeah. It kind of sounded like me when, or like when you get into something, you totally get into it and just kind of yeah. obsess over it. Yeah. That's how I am. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know how to be a casual fan of things. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I just want to know the most about everything I'm into. No doubt. I just want to say, I, uh, I think it's really cool that you say that Brock Lesnar brought you in from the WWE. It's like, I didn't know if that thing really existed. Yeah. Like, yeah. The there's some from, of us out you know there. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so the gimmick worked. <laughs> nice. Yeah, hey. I didn't know. I've never well, like actually heard the crossover story, so to speak. So that's cool to hear. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think, you know, Les, Lesnar's always that guy that, you know, if you were just a, a WWE watcher, you're like, okay, you can tell this guy can fight, and you knew he was a professional, or, sorry, an amateur wrestler in college, and a very successful one, but, yeah, it was, it, I was very curious to, to actually see the guy fight, and I knew he had the history, 
you know, he certainly legitimized WWE in a major way just yeah, by definitely. leaving and going and winning the title. No so, doubt. yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, that's cool, yeah. man. Like, my dad, I've been trying to get him into this sport for so long. And just this year, he's like, all of a sudden, he's a hardcore fan. And uh, it's just interesting to, to how the people come in. And he was so against it. It's too brutal. I would never watch it. And now he loves it. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, my dad's been the same way. And I think a large part of it is um, there's just some really captivating characters. And I think, you know, my dad, uh, you know, he saw me watching a Connor fight. And he was like, you know, he saw Connor's swagger and stuff. And I think he he found that uh, compelling and entertaining. And then the one that I think he really found interesting was when he he saw me watching a Ronda Rousey fight at one point. And, yeah, I mean, he was really, I think, captivated by Ronda's toughness and her intimidation and the intimidation factor. And so, like, the next time I talked to him, he was like, did you know like all this stuff about Ronda Rousey and he like it learned all his, all these facts about her and stuff so yeah I think it definitely there's this character element and to me one of the coolest things and this is I'm sure this sounds cheesy but I love like how everyone has like just a great nickname you know what I mean like if I was a fighter I would have a great nickname <laughs> old reliable like if you're gonna be a professional fighter that that should be a thing you know like like Tyron Woodley gets to walk into a ring and they're literally they're just casually saying like well the thing about the chosen one he's like that's amazing like what (laughs) who wouldn't want that so yeah i think that's a really compelling uh element of it like you've got the guy in the lightweight division who calls himself uncle creepy (laughs) it's great stuff yeah Yeah, i jokingly said old reliable would be your nickname but what would your nickname be oh man that's tough i'd have to think about it but i feel like on the spot i feel yeah, whatever I would do, I would just, like, ratchet it up to 20. Like, you know, Tyron Woodley, like, the chosen one, or, like, Yoel, Soldier of God, Romero. Oh God. Like, you just why you just have to go all out. You're a professional fighter. Like, you you get in the cage and flirt with death for a living. You gotta, you, 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 can't, you can't hold anything back when it comes to the nickname. <laughs> no doubt. So, who are some of your favorite fighters? I know you've only been, like, super into it for a couple months, but is there any guys that stick out, or girls? Yeah, so, um, you know, one guy, and I don't know why I always come back to him when people have asked me this question, but I really enjoy Max Holloway. I feel like he's a really fun fighter to watch. I don't know if maybe it's because he's so young and he just keeps winning, but there's something compelling about it. And I also really love, you know, the the element of, like, here's this kid from Hawaii who comes out to, like, uh, you know, luau music, like, real chill music, and then he just, like, beats people up, and he's not big, and he doesn't look like somebody who should be so good, but... He's very, very good, and I'm excited to see kind of where his career goes. Being 24 and being the number three featherweight contender, uh, I'm excited, uh, you know, to see kind of what what comes from him. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from like Cody Garbrandt. Obviously, he's just on a tear right now. I couldn't believe how quickly he just like dismantled Almeida. That was insane. Uh, and then uh, let's see who else. I mean, I think Woodley's really fun to watch because the thing about Woodley is like, you know, people keep talking about how he shouldn't be. Uh, you're getting himself trapped in corners and stuff, but he, he kind of likes to do that. I feel like he wants to bait people in, and then he just comes out with this flurry of fists that are all just so powerful and to come so quickly. And it, it's pretty entertaining to watch. But by the same token, Stephen Thompson is so unique that he's one of my favorites too because that style is so interesting. Like his hands stay at his sides the entire time. Uh, and then you know, one more since I'm just throwing them all out there is yeah, do you it. know right now. I'm a big fan of Stipe. I feel like the fact that Stipe brought a title to Cleveland a couple months before LeBron 
He doesn't get the credit he deserves. The guy's good. He's now had the title defense that legitimized him a little bit. So I'm excited to see what he's able to do with his title run. If he's able to, you know, beat whoever comes out for Doom Velasquez or what comes of that. Yeah, man, good picks. Uh, that's a tough division to hold a belt in. I think what the record is two or three title defenses. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Kane, I think, is going to be a bad matchup if that who it ends up being. But, yeah, he's fun to watch, definitely. He's a goofy guy. He gets excited. It's cool. He's like the Michael Bisbing, I feel like, without the trash talk of that division. Right. Yeah, those yeah. are great choices there. Max Holloway's got, like, a nine-fight win streak, something like that. Something close to that. Yeah, last... amazing. I mean, how can a 24-year-old, you know what I mean? Like, this, you know, Mickey Gall is good, but they're, like, the same <laughs> age. Mickey yeah. Gall is nowhere near where Holloway is. I mean, Yeah, yeah I think he true. came into the UFC when he was 20. He lost to Dustin Poirier, but then he he put it on. I mean, he's I, I like him a lot too. Last time he lost was to Conor McGregor in uh, one of his first fights with the company. Yeah. So yeah, cool man. Uh, so I guess yeah, let's get to the big event UFC 205 a couple days ago. Definitely, I thought going to be the biggest pay per view of all time. I think it lived up to it, even though it lost two good fights, great fights. Uh, Rashad Evans versus Tim Kennedy got pulled at the last second because Evans came up with some kind of medical condition. So they pushed him to the next card. And uh, then on weigh-in day, Donald Cerrone weighs in. Kelvin Gastelum blows weight for like the fifth time in the last couple <laughs> of years. And uh, unfortunately, that fight has to get called off. But still, the top seven of this card was just stacked. All fights that could easily be at least co-main event status on a normal card. So... I was super psyched coming into this one. How about you guys? Yeah, I mean, it was a great card. It It is unbelievable that we lost those fights, especially the Cowboy fight. Gaston missing weight again. It's yeah. just unacceptable. I'm surprised he's not cut. Dana said he's never fighting at 170 again. I feel like he said that last I think night. he's already said that before, yeah. Which is just crazy. To On the biggest, I mean, you can't get the weight on the biggest card of all time. You're going to make a lot of money. It just It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, regardless could. of that, it's an incredible card. Like you said, there's fights on the prelims that could be main events anywhere else. And I think it lived up. It had a lot of exciting fights. A lot, uh, Some like upsets. Yo Romero. But I, I think I, and I think it broke every record, that's for sure. That's already out there. So I think it definitely lived up to expectations. Yeah, I think uh, the fact that we only lost... Um, the, the Rashad Evans and the Gaslam fights. Like, I think that, you know, relative to some of the more recent cards, I think we did pretty good. I was a little yeah. worried we'd lose some of these bigger fights. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was just the fact that it was fight week that it all, or yeah. kind of within fight week that it all happened that made it that much worse. True, true. But, yeah, I mean, that's why it was good that they stacked it so heavy. There was almost no way for it to all come apart. Like, this was always going to be a great card. And, yeah, you mentioned it, like, some great upsets. Like, I can't believe... I mean, it's, it, there was a couple champions here who were, you know, defending their own belts as underdogs. Like, yeah. that was wild. Yep. I had uh, the idea as the underdog, for sure. Yeah, a lot of people did. And I, I mean, I think even the, you know, the odds makers had him as the underdog. So, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, just very interesting, interesting fights here. Um, Tim Bosch, uh, or Bosch, I forget how you even say it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think he was supposed to beat Natal, or if he was, uh, I don't think it was supposed to be that convincing. Yeah, man. yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then Misha Tate losing as well and then promptly retiring. I mean, that surprised <laughs> me because, like, Crazy. this girl's two fight away from being the champion and, and being on top of the division. So, and she's only 30. 
So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty wild. But yeah. you do have a lot of, like, 20 to 25-year-olds just coming up fast in there. I think Raquel being the one that to beat her to center her retirement was more surprising. I mean, Misha retiring is very surprising. I can't actually believe I forgot to mention that. But I think Raquel Pennington being the person that did it is even more surprising. Yeah, definitely. I mean, her, the person who she coached on the Ultimate Fighter a couple of years ago. Yeah. So maybe she taught her too much, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess we'll start at the top of the card. Conor McGregor, obviously, defeats Eddie Alvarez. Second-round knockout. It was never particularly close. He, he tagged him very early on. I thought he was going to knock him out at that point, and then it was kind of like he just walked right through him. I've never seen Eddie Alvarez get outbeat like that. I mean, just you could tell just from the body language of both guys, Conor's so – calm collective and just knew exactly what he was doing and uh, it was only a matter of time and he hit him with the sweet four punch combo and put him out basically perfect i think i mean like you said he hit him early and often and he went down i think that first time he looked limp when he hit the ground yeah i, I thought man he did the same thing like all the almost but i mean he was perfect he, eddie didn't have a chance it looked like he was a foot shorter than him and a foot shorter arms he didn't stand a chance yeah, I mean, you know, I I was uh, I mentioned earlier I was watching this with a bunch of guys who had never watched UFC before. I had a bunch of friends over for this pay per view, and you know, I'd been talking all night about how Connor's the 145 champion. He's going to be fighting Eddie, who's the 155 champion. And when these guys came out, they were like, "Wait, Eddie's supposed to be the the bigger champion?" Like, it, you just looked at these two guys, and Connor just dwarfed Eddie. I mean, it was it was insane to me how much bigger Connor looked. His reach has always been. You know, an adv- every fight he's in, he's got the reach. But it was really showcased to me in this fight where anytime Eddie tried to get close, tried to shoot, tried to do anything so much, Connor, I mean, pretty easily was able to tag him and then step away. Or, you know, I mean, he made it look very, very easy at a lot of places. And, I mean, yeah, there was really no opportunity at any point for Eddie to get into the rhythm he wanted. Anytime he tried to do something, Connor was getting a left or two in and. You can't take too many of those, clearly. Yeah, he. I think everyone is surprised by how hard he hits. It seems like no one believes it before the fight, and then it all takes this one shot, and they're like, oh, shit, yeah. what's going on here? But, yeah, I mean, it's like you said earlier that a lot of people who doubt Con- Conor McGregor before every single fight, all you heard was, well, Eddie Alvarez is a different kind of fighter. He's fought everybody out there. He's tough. You know, it's going to go the distance. Conor's going to gas. And obviously that was not the case. I, it looked like McGregor was pacing himself. He wasn't too aggressive. He was more countering than being, you know, the guy leading off with the punches. And I think that was smart. He stuffed a takedown defense, which, I mean, it was not exactly the greatest takedown attempt. But I think he's going to try to keep continuing to improve in that area. And if he gets good at takedown defense, I mean, I don't know who could beat him. I was really surprised by his takedown defense. I think it has gotten better. Every, I mean, Nate had very much struggled to take him down. And he had much better chances than Eddie did. I mean, Eddie never even got in on one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it'll be interesting if he ever does fight Khabib. Like, if you could stop him from taking you down, then you're pretty, uh, pretty good in that area. Yeah, I think Michael Johnson showed a little weakness hurting him in the first round. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if Connor I mean, hits that's him a like fight that, that it would be very, very interesting, I think, to see, and it'll be very interesting to see if that's a fight that gets made or not. Because I, 
you you wonder if that's a fight they want. I mean, if Khabib were to take down Connor, is that really good for UFC? But at the same time, can you deny this guy a title shot? Being twenty four and zero, calling out Connor. I mean, it, it's a it's a tough spot they're in in many many ways here. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it was a pretty good promo. Call him a chicken, and <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good stuff. Well, yeah, I guess actually the biggest drama was after the fight when he takes his two belts and in the post-fight press conference, uh, he's talking about how, you know, he's got a baby on the way in May. He's just going to put his feet up, kick back, and uh, if the UFC wants him to come back, they're going to have to give him uh, part ownership of the company. Some, uh, He said, if, if Conan O'Brien has ownership in this company, why don't I? And uh, it's hard to blame him. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean... That was, I mean, along the lines of, I guess, what you could have thought the announcement. He said, are you ready for Mac, Mac uh, McGregor, Inc.? And, I mean, it came out that she was pregnant. I figured that was going to happen. So, it's, I think he's in the position to do that. I don't Ownership, that's a crazy thing to ask for rather than, I don't know, $5 million instead. But I guess he's really trying to step it up more and more and more. He's done everything, so he's trying to just take the next unbelievable step, I guess. Yeah, I saw uh, Ariel Hawani retweeted something he he tweeted out like a little over two years ago that said two belts and part of the company. And I guess, you know, Mystic Mac, he calls the shots. Yeah, it is pretty wild. I mean, I, I feel like, a, you know, a couple of years ago, certainly maybe even you know more more recently than that. You know, Connor was saying all these kinds of things, but it was kind of a joke. Like everyone was laughing about it, like, oh, Connor, you know, he's he's such a character. But now when he's saying these things, you kind of you, you really have to listen because so many times now he said something's going to happen and UFC has said, no, that's not happening. And what do you it know? ends up happening. <laughs> yeah, so that's very true. Very I think true. we're at a point now where if Connor's saying, I'm going to hold both belts and I'm going to go do this thing, like, what is the UFC going to do? I mean, they need him, I think. We're at a weird point now, especially if Ronda's going to be retiring sometime soon, which I don't know, but I have heard maybe she's got you know a couple fights left, one fight left, who knows? But you know, Connor's still very young. I mean, he's younger than I am, I think, by a year. So he can he's in a unique position where I think they need him more than he needs them, and he can make these demands. And I'm not sure what they can do other than you know try to keep guys like Aldo and you know uh, Khabib from just getting too pissed off until they finally get their chance yeah yeah i mean they really don't have a choice especially with this stuff coming out that they need to hit these goals and uh, increase intake but decrease how much they're paying out and he's gonna have to be a big part of that if they're gonna make that happen and i think it, it makes perfect sense i'm sure they're they don't want to do it they don't want to give him part equity or ownership but it will keep him I think it, they don't have to shell out the big money out of pocket. You know, it'll de- depend on the success of the company, how much he gets. And it'll keep him motivated and keep him fighting as often as possible and promoting more in between fights, which was a big sticking point in their last contract negotiation. And in five, ten years, whenever he retires, Dana White's not going to be doing this forever. <laughs> who better to be the face of the franchise who pumps up all these fights than Conor McGregor himself? Yeah, I mean, that's- oh, wow. That's looking at like the real big picture. I was just thinking like there's a, in current events there's a whole other side of this where Conor McGregor is making all these demands and they end up making them happen. 
but they're not really in line with what the UFC normally does, and you're starting to see like things happen where fighters like Jose Aldo, he's supposed to be guaranteed that fight and is threatening to retire, wants to be cut, wants to sue the UFC because they're going out, you know, it's it's not how the UFC normally does things with a champion, and you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, there's a whole other person. side of what's going on with Conor McGregor where it's changing, like it's changing the business model almost where money really, really talks now, and they're willing to skip over a few lines to make a few extra zeros. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if I was, a, if I was Aldo or Khabib, I'd be pissed. I yeah. mean, I'd have been pissed before this if I was Khabib. Like, Khabib deserved the Eddie Alvarez match. I mean, come on. Of course he did. He was 23-0 and and the number one contender. If anyone yep. should have fought Eddie, it should have been him. But that, Connor, right. You, like you said, Connor has transcends the rules. He gets to redefine them. And I think, you know, anytime we see information released from the UFC and realize how big a cut of their profits he represents, we understand why. And it's unfortunate, like, if I was one of those guys, I'd be furious, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is a monster of their own making. I mean, they helped build this guy up. They helped create this. They gave him the opportunity to win the second belt. So, very hard to, uh, you know, feel bad for UFC because they dug this hole themselves. So, it'll be interesting to see how they tick themselves out. Yeah, I mean, maybe... They kept giving him the Marcus Brimages of the world and letting him pad his record early on as he improved. Maybe they should have tossed him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe they should have tossed him Khabib back then just to kind of slow his roll a little bit if they were smart. But, hey, I, I don't think they're going to be too unhappy about how much money they're making on these people. Yeah, it's not like they're not making the money too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I guess time will tell. This is going to be a pretty long storyline going into next year. There's no doubt. So... We'll keep an eye on that, and we'll go down to the co-main event, which was an awesome fight between Tyron Woodley and Steven Thompson, two of Alex's favorite fighters, we just learned. They uh, fought to majority draw, and in a lot of sports, that would be disappointing, but I was okay with it here because both guys got to show their skills, show what they're best at, and I actually scored it a draw myself. I thought Tyron Woodley had a 10-8 fourth round, and won the first round, and Thompson won 2, 3, and 5, which would be a 47-47 split. Uh, but just an awesome fight. Thompson showed so much toughness getting laid out. Omer's finished by strikes, and then Omer's finished by submission and managed to get out of it and win the next round after that. So did something that Robbie Lawler couldn't even do and survive a punch in the face from Tyron Woodley. So... Did you guys both score this a draw, or did you have one person winning over the other? Yeah, I have to disagree there because I had it 48-47, or 40, I guess, what would it be, 47-46 for um, Thompson because I had it Woodley round one, Thompson 2-3, losing four but not 10-8 because, I mean, he, he got knocked down viciously twice. Don't get me wrong. Like he said, he got rocked, and there was a tight guillotine. But he fought through all that. He reversed the guillotine, and he ended the round in full mount. Yeah, for a punches. minute straight. Well, see, that's where the only place I disagree is that if you rewatch it, at least to me, it looked like he was punching the mat more than punching uh, Woodley at the end there. But, yeah, it was impressive that he ended up on top for like a full minute at the yeah. end there. I mean, I, I, don't, I think he was in full mount. Maybe, maybe he was in side guard. But, I mean, he ended up on top for a while. So I don't – I just – I just don't think the 10-8 comes in play there. It was two not. I mean, it, 
it does come into question the ten point must system because then what is a ten eight if you knock him down twice and then yeah. submit him? But then again, if you defend the submission, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, there's got to be play in there, but so I don't think it's a ten eight, and I think he wins three rounds to two. But it was a great fight regardless. Yeah, I and guess it was amazing that Thompson came, fought through round four. Yeah, came back and I mean Woodley was dead in five after his arms were dead. He yeah. couldn't do anything really. Maybe January 1st when the new rules take in effect, you would give it a 10-8, but okay, fair enough. Alex? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned it, I, or I guess you mentioned that I mentioned it, but <laughs> I, yeah, I really like both these guys. And, Who were you rooting for? Um, You know, I wasn't. I, I didn't know, I didn't really know how to, you know, I guess I was rooting for Woodley a little bit just because I, the fact that he's defending a title as an underdog, like to me that's a little bit of a, uh, you know, an incentive for him to pr- go out and prove people wrong. But I really do like Stephen Thompson. I think just the fact that he represents such a unique style that really isn't seen uh, being successful at this level of UFC. And I mean, I guess you, you have to be like a five-time world champion karate master for it. But it's really cool to see. I really enjoy watching his fight. And, uh, you know, because there's always unorthodox kicks and stuff coming from him. Yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a fight that, you know, even, like I said, the guys who I was watching with, uh, you know, not UFC fans, but they were riveted to this fight. Uh, I started watching UFC 200, and, you know, maybe this is hyperbole, maybe not. I've gone back and watched fights, you know, from before that, but since I've been watching live, which, again, UFC 200, I think this might be the best fight I've seen. That's fair. Yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed this fight. I mean, I think, like, even from, like, a storytelling standpoint, like, you almost see how this could have been, like, a scripted WWE match. Like, <laughs> you got Steven Thompson just, you know, I mean, there was, there was like, it, it felt like in, uh, you know, in a, in a moment there, he should have gone unconscious maybe ten times. Yep. And it's just like, how is he not out? And then he's, he's you know, squirming out, and the crowd is so into it. And at one point, Woodley just straight, like, DDTs him, just drops him <laughs> right on his head. And, I mean, he's just staying alive. And then, yeah, like you said, I mean, Woodley starts to gasp because, I mean, he was really laying into him in the early rounds. And then by five, I mean, Thompson is really coming back and starting to, you know, uh, you know, take it back. I don't know. I feel like ultimately I like the majority draw call. Like, I'm fine with it. I might have given it to Woodley slightly just because I felt like the damage he did, the things I saw from him were more significant. Whereas Thompson, even if he did have more strikes and uh, stuff like that, I feel like he didn't really feel like there was a time where he was all over Woodley the way there was times where Woodley certainly had Thompson dominated. So I get why it's a draw and I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I would love to see a rematch. I feel like that's, that's if that's the next title defense for Woodley, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. It has to I, be a rematch, right? Come on. Yeah. I mean, that's obvious, but I totally forgot to mention the drama at the end. I mean, I was oh, under yeah. the weather watching it. I was real sick laying in bed and I was almost, trying to even yell at my computer i was like it's a majority draw like it yeah, was yeah, too yeah like, i saw it before even and then they were started interviewing i mean it looked like somebody told woodley his dog died or something <laughs> he was like <laughs> it looked like he thought he lost or something but it was wild yeah that was crazy. Yeah, i've never seen that in the ufc before yeah, I feel like I'm an amateur, and even—I mean, I am an amateur. And even I, when they announced the score, and I said to my friends, like, "Oh, wow, that's a majority draw. Like that means it's going to go down as a tie for both guys." And then they said Tyron Woodley, or yeah. and he came in, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm—I'm I'm wrong. I, I guess I'm wrong. No, that I'm right. I know what I'm talking about. Like, don't try to confuse <laughs> me, Bruce Buffer." And then, sure enough, he comes back on. Like, 
I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I would be furious, man. This guy just took a bunch of punches to the head, and now you're like, wait, there's been a change in plans? Yeah. And you saw him clutch at his belt like it was like his firstborn child. And <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him, man. What the hell's going on? The fix is in? Screw you, people. Like, yeah, oh, don't yeah. do this to this man right now. <laughs> Could you imagine if they were like, I made a mistake. Actually, Stephen Thompson is the winner. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, good luck with that one, Buffer. Yeah, Whitley's coming at you with those fists of fury, and uh, I hope Big uh, Big John McCarthy's ready to get in the way. <laughs> yeah, you can't expect someone to like fully comprehend what's going on after a five round war like that. But no, I do have to say, Tyron Woodley has won me over the last couple fights. I was never the biggest fan of him just because. In a lot of fights, like against Roy McDonald or Kelvin Gastelum, when Gastelum missed weight in that fight. He would be, like, too scared to throw or too passive, and then he would gas out real quick. But, man, to knock out Robbie Lawler the way he, way he did and then this fight here, like, and just the way he's acted throughout the whole thing, he's definitely won me over. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is the guy that said he wanted Nick Diaz or St. Pierre. Like, he definitely didn't want Stephen Thompson. And, you know, give him credit. Stephen Thompson obviously deserved it. Woodley didn't want it. But unlike some other people, they said – Tough luck, Tyron. You're getting it. And he was like, fine. <laughs> yeah. Good Good for him. At least they gave him uh, a piece of this huge pay-per-view. I'm sure he made plenty of money. They deserve fight of the night for that. Oh, that yeah. was fantastic, man. Uh, and yeah. obviously we're going to get into it, but the fight right before it, I was like, oh, so this is fight of the night. Yeah. And then, yep, sure enough. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, yeah, I think you got to see – this is reminding me of when Frankie Edgar – and Gray Maynard tied, or Drew had a draw the first time they fought for the title. And Anthony Pettis was on deck to be next in line after he won the WEC title. And now Damian Maya, who was waiting to fight the winner of this, uh, sorry, you're going to have to either wait a little bit longer or risk it and fight someone else. Because there's no other option here. And I guess unless GSP came in, but even then I'd rather see a, t- uh, a rematch of this first. But... Yeah, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I mean, and, and go ahead and rematch this. Let Lawler have another, you know, match. Let uh, some of these other people, I mean, yeah, you look at the top of the board and you've got Gaslam missing weight. You've got Maya, certainly, who, you know, has an argument, but there there are people for him to fight there. I mean, you could give him, like, a, you know, Hendricks or something in the meantime. Yeah, that's very true. I didn't even think about that. Anthony Pettis went on to lose also. Yeah, he lost to Clay Guida following that. Which yeah. really hurt his stock, but I don't see Damian Maya losing. But no, well, here's the situation I could see: is imagine they do the rematch early next year, maybe February, March. Woodley versus Thompson, and then in the co-main event, you have GSP's return versus Damian Maya to see who gets to fight the winner. Yeah, that could happen. Damian Maya could definitely lose to GSP. I, yeah, he could. I think Dana did say that Damian Maya's. Uh, welcome to sit and wait for the title shot. Yeah, I, I feel mean, like he said that. That would be cool. So I wouldn't mind. He it. might. Do, he might do that. Yeah, and interesting. L- and like you said, uh, the third title fight or the first of three title fights for the night was a hell of a fight on its own. Uh, Ioana Janjacek defeats Karolina Kowalkiewicz by unanimous decision. It was pretty one-sided. Uh, Ioana champion. She went out there pieced her up for the most part but she took a huge shot in the fourth round and came the closest she has in her career to being knocked out and uh even though it was fairly one-sided this was an action-packed fight with both people landing here and there it just happened that Yinjechik would land like three strikes for every one or two that 
Kovalkovich would. And, uh, yeah, Joanna Champion, one of my favorite fighters. We counted down our top five favorite fighters. I think she made that list for me and uh, continued that pace on Saturday night. Yeah, she's a great fighter, absolutely. I I can't help but keep watching her. And I, Don't get me wrong, she's an outstanding fighter, and it's pretty entertaining. They throw... She throws fast combos and was finishing with kicks before Carolina could even react. But I think, I mean, I just don't think she has knockout power. And I think it's not her. I think it's the weight class. Mm-hmm. No offense to me, it meant, but it's women's weight class, 115 pounds. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I just, I think that's the one thing holding her back from superstardom is knockouts, to be honest. And, she, I mean, she's doesn't speak the best English, but she's still a great talker. Yeah, yeah. really love. I mean, like diehards really love her, and she's fighters really love her. But I think there's just something holding her back from ever being like. I mean, I'm not gonna. Well, maybe ever being a Ronda Rousey, but she doesn't finish fights. So I, I think that has to happen for her to take the next step. Yeah, you know, because she's got no contenders, so yeah, she's got to do something. She reminds me of like Nick Diaz of the women's strawweight division because he was more of a volume guy. If he got a knockout, it was just because he put so many punches in a row on you. It wasn't really one punch, uh, but entertaining yeah. to watch nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think probably my favorite uh, fighters in the women's divisions would be Joanna and probably Paige Van Zandt. I mean, I really enjoy both of them and, and they're watching their fights. But with Joanna, it's crazy because, yeah, usually, I mean – the times you do see her get stoppages, I feel like she's just landing just flurries of just clean elbows, and she's just picking people apart with just mm-hmm. elbows to the head. And that was something, or maybe, you know, that was one of the things that Carolina did very, very well. It's like, Joanna was getting shots in, but she wasn't getting a lot of just hard, clean shots. Carolina did a pretty good job of protecting herself for the duration, and that's why I think she was able to go the distance and, you know, stay in there. She did a really good job, and maybe part of it was that she was trying to stay with stay alive she wasn't fighting you know she wasn't going for the home run with the intention of not getting knocked out herself but uh and i do think you know like you said at 115 there's going to be less knockouts in general but yeah i I feel like this was a really good fight and really compelling because you you saw somebody uh, for the first time like you know really keeping Joanna from being able to deliver all the shots that you usually see here deliver. Like, I'm just so used to every one of her fights saying, uh, look at her just picking this girl apart, just finding the opening everywhere it is. And as soon as she goes to defend that spot, Ioana goes to the open spot. And Carolina did a really good job. Her guard was really strong. So that was one thing that I think probably frustrated Ioana throughout the course of the fight is that she wasn't landing too many clean shots. Although, like you said, I mean, Carolina wasn't able to do much damage herself, and the damage she was able to do, anytime she went in, Joanna was able to tag her up a little more, so it didn't end up working out for her, but she did a lot better than I thought she would do, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely a comp- as compelling as it possibly could have been going in, but what do you, what do you think is next for Joanna? Because another, she has a similar problem to Mighty Mouse, where she's beaten all the top contenders, like... A lot of the fighters that she hasn't fought, like Rose Namajunas, who just lost to Karolina Kovalkovich. And, um, yeah, there's just not a lot out there for her to fight unless they bring in someone from Invicta or they create a 125-pound weight class. That's exactly what I was going to say. They need to bring in 125 that would open more possibilities naturally. Uh, that's what they need to do. I mean, that's there's such a gap there, 115 to 135, that there's not much play between divisions with the women. So there's not much you can do. It's what yeah. you got is what you got. Yeah, and it, and also 
I guess the person who I think should be next is Jessica Andrade, who dropped all the way down from 135 to 115 and has viciously knocked out her first two strawweight opponents. And uh, if anyone has power in this division, I think it's going to be her. So that would be an interesting test. But after that, unless it's Rose Namajunas gets a win or two under her belt and can get back into the title picture, yeah, um, I think they might have to open up a second weight class. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about Andrade. as probably the next logical step. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, yeah, I think, yeah, if you had a 125-pound division, you know, I know they talked about, like, there's too many divisions in the UFC, but from what I've seen, a lot of people are really compelled by the, you know, the women's matches lately. Like, they really are drawing a lot of, uh, you know, eyes and ratings. I, I think they would really thrive from having a third women's division here. Like, I don't think it's so driven by Rousey anymore to the point where you can't start to establish new faces and new names and allow people like Joanna to just like showcase themselves and gradually win over fans of their own. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely correct. Definitely. I think they could even add two more with 145, have Cyborg rule that division. I mean, they have so many cards every year on Fox Sports 1, Fight Pass. I mean, does it really hurt to have a couple extra title fights you could throw as a main event somewhere? Yeah, uh, definitely. Co-main events even. Yeah. yeah, that would be fantastic, especially because, like, yeah, what are you doing with Cyborg? I mean, you know, maybe I could see the argument that there just aren't enough 145-pound women fighters in the world, but, I mean, certainly there are, even if they're not in her league, there's enough to start a division. Yeah. And, and just get, yeah. like, you know, 12 people going, start something out, and that, like you talked about, that allows maybe for some people at 135 to judge the competition and maybe try to bulk up or try to, I mean, it allows for, you know, fluctuation and for change and for some of the things that we enjoy about some of the, you know, uh, the men's divisions. Yeah, no doubt. And the thing I love about women's MMA is that it's like the only sport where the interest is just as high as the the men's sporting leagues in some cases. It's just Yeah, it's really taken off. Yeah. So I guess we'll get to the non-title fights. We had... As you mentioned earlier, God, Yoel Romero, soldier of God, Yoel Romero defeated Chris Weidman by flying knee knockout in the third round. <laughs> I mean, he, this is just what he does, right? He knocks people out in the third round. Uh, and then Chris, Goose steps around the <laughs> ring, yeah. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Uh, that was uh, devastating for me. <laughs> Chris Weidman, Brooks's boy, one of his favorite fighters, uh, goes in for the takedown at the worst possible time and the force of him going in and Romero going up with his knee, it was like a horror movie. He blood gushing everywhere immediately. Uh, I, definitely I knock it was out the cyborg from Bellator all over again. Fractured skull, caved in skull, or something crazy. I mean, it sounded like a uh, car accident when his knee hit his head. Insane. Yeah, I mean, Romero is just a freak of nature. Thirty-nine years old, coming off the six-month suspension for a tainted supplement. Um, he's a silver medalist from uh, the Olympics in t- year 2000 for Cuba. But, man, he he always surprises people. I mean, it, there's always controversy involved. This time he's dumping water all over himself for who knows why. Uh, Tim Kennedy fight where he's trying to buy extra time in between rounds. But I can't really stand the guy outside of the cage. But, man, he is fun to watch inside of it. Yeah, I mean, the guy looks like he's just cut from the side of a mountain. At least he did this time. He's just unbelievably, uh, you know, his physique is insanely intimidating. Like, this is not the kind of guy you'd want to run into in a dark alley. Yoel Romero is a scary, scary man. 
But yeah, oh man, I felt so bad for Chris Weidman. Like here's the here he is getting to uh, you know come fight in New York. He's playing I'm coming home as he's coming in. This is such a big moment for him. And yeah, for this to be the way it went down, just so unfortunate. Obviously, this is the nature of the sport. This is the kind of thing that makes it exciting and entertaining that anything can happen in a split second. But oh man, you hate to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, I'm a big Chris Weidman fan, and I, I mean it. I didn't think he looked that great. I guess he looked like a pretty standard Chris Weidman. I mean, he has his pressure and throws his jab out there, but he every take. I mean, he did land a few takedowns in the first two rounds, but every time he went in, it just looked like he was just like didn't Slide. set it up and just lunged in. Like that was bound to happen. I thought. You know yeah. what I mean? And sure enough, it did in the third round. And coming off that neck surgery, who knows? how healthy he was because you know he wanted to be on his card no matter what so yeah he could have been fighting injured which could play a role but i mean dana white said after the fight i think that romero is going to get the next title shot against bisbing and they had a pretty awesome uh moment when <laughs> he's talking to him up in the the booth and saying i love you <laughs> michael bisbing yeah. it was uh, very dominic cruz uh game brand. yeah yeah pretty game yeah, yeah, I thought that was really great because obviously Bisping is just such a natural heel. And of course, he's just going to, you know, tell you to go, go F yourself and just be that kind of a guy. But I mean, you, I liked what Yoro Romero did because you could tell, like, his English isn't great. Here's a Cuban guy, but he knows enough to know, like, the, the appropriate response in this kind of a setting is like, if Bisping's the bad guy, I could be the good guy. So I'm going to counteract his hate with love. <laughs> yeah. so I love you, Mike. Like, he knows enough to do that. And I thought that was really cute. Like, you could tell his thought process, you know, going through it. So I just, I did really enjoy that moment for some reason. Yeah, that was, that was definitely interesting. There's been a lot of people pulling a McGregor, seizing the moment and, you know, making maybe a promo, cutting a promo exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, good for them. I mean, obviously not everyone's cut out for it. Like, And you need to pick your spots. Like, You don't want to be Jeremy Stevens at the press conference. <laughs> who the fuck are you? Like, who the F is this guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, so what do you think happens there? <laughs> Michael Bisping, I think he said earlier this week that uh, he's going to only keep fighting as long as he holds the belt. So he's going to retire the next time he loses. And uh, if he's fighting Romero, I think that might be sooner than he wants to realize. Yeah, well, it would be interesting to see if even after having defended it, but only against Henderson, if he's an underdog in that fight. I imagine he probably would be. I think he might be and, a sizable underdog, yeah. Yeah, and that'll certainly be some bulletin board material for him. But, yeah, Yoel Romero, a scary guy, man. I mean, you know, the way he – just has you know picked people apart the fact that nobody but one person has really been able to show any kind of you know real dominance against him anytime recently uh and they, you know that wasn't even recent yeah it's it's tough man he's on a tear yeah, yeah you look at this these people he's beaten i mean the last you know brunson kennedy Mashida, souza weidman i mean he's just ran through this division yeah no doubt you can't deny him any further so, yeah, let's get to Misha Tate and her retirement fight against Raquel Pennington. We talked about it a little bit, but she looked really listless. Uh, she did not look herself. I mean, what a roller coaster of a year for her. She starts off by the miracle upset on, against Holly Holm to win the belt, then loses it by getting dismantled by Amanda Nunes on UFC 200. And uh, here she just really wasn't doing much of anything. She's always been pretty 
all-around fighter, not truly great at anything, but pretty good at everything, and I guess that kind of fighter can fall off faster than someone who's just great at one thing. But Pennington just kind of pieced her up on the feet, had her in a couple deep submissions, and won a pretty dominant performance. Yeah, but that blew me away because my first thoughts when the first well, the fight first saw the fight was Misha Tate looks bigger than Raquel, and she didn't do like you said she didn't do much of anything. And Raquel had a nice strong jab, had some nice strong combos, even one up most of the grappling exchanges. I was blown away. I mean, that was very very surprising for me. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, I really like Misha. I, I think she certainly has not benefited from Ronda's presence. If it wasn't for Ronda, obviously she's like the face of the division probably for a lot of time. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I get I get why she did what she did, why she just retires right after the fight. But I don't know if she's going to you know ultimately regret that decision or not. I mean, she's still 30. There's a lot of things she could do besides UFC. Obviously, this doesn't have to be the only thing she does. But, I mean, losing the fight by decision to Raquel Pennington. Like, I know you're coming off the Nunez loss. But before that, you were the champion. And, I mean, if you look at Pennington's, you know, it's not like you lost to a nobody here. If you look at Pennington's last five fights, she's got the loss to home. But, you know, and, and that was like February 15. But then since then, she's beat Andrade, Correa, uh, Beth Phillips and, you know, now Tate. So, I mean, this is somebody who's a real rising contender. I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing Rocky Pennington fighting for the title soon. So, I don't know. I, I feel like me should take, maybe should pump the brakes and take a couple months and re- really think about whether or not she's done. Because I don't think she's that far removed from the top right now, even if she does feel like maybe her best fights are behind her. I agree. I think she's probably the second or third biggest name in women's mixed martial arts. It's actually funny. My stepdad, who I always watch the fights with, after the fight, he said, or as they were about to read the decision, he's like, she's going to retire. I was like, what? You're crazy. You know, she's got plenty of years left. She can make money for a long time just on her name alone. And sure enough, she announces her retirement after the fight. But I think she'll take a year or two off and she'll be back. I have a feeling she'll be back. They're going to offer the side, a, a fight against Cyborg in a year or two and, and she'll be back and it'll be big. So maybe she just needs yeah. some time off to clear her head. And you know, find the love for the sport again. I I definitely agree. I think um, it reminds me a lot of Carlos Condit when he lost to Damian Maya, talking about how he doesn't know if he's good enough to be fighting at this part of the division and whatnot. I think it's very similar to that, where we're going to see Carlos Condit come back and take some more fights and even bigger fights. I think it's the same with Misha Tate. She's going to take some time, and she'll be back with a pretty big game fight, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, all right, next fight. We had a couple big prelims. Two more fights we'll talk about on UFC 205. Uh, Frankie Edgar in the main event of the prelims. That's how they say it. Frankie Edgar defeated Jeremy Stevens by unanimous decision. And this was a fun fight, too. Uh, Frankie got tagged pretty hard in the second round. Looked like, I mean, how many times has this happened where he looks like he's going to get finished and then he rallies and ends up winning the fight? I thought it was interesting how... The former lightweight champion looked like the much smaller fighter against a featherweight guy. Um, yeah, I guess just Frankie Edgar doing Frankie Edgar things. I think he needs to drop down to 135 pounds because it's not like he's ever going to get another shot against Aldo anytime soon. What do you guys think? I I think it was a classic Frankie Edgar fight. Definitely Frankie was a lot smaller than Jeremy Stevens, which 
makes me think how hard it must be for Stevens to get down there. But I, yeah, Frankie could drop down, but I also see probably Holloway fighting Jose for the real title, and then maybe Frankie fighting Holloway for the title. So who knows? Maybe he should stick around. Maybe he should take a big name at 135 so he could go back up to 145. I don't know. But it was a classic Frankie Edgar fight. He was dominating until he got clipped with that head kick yeah. and then scrambled back and dominated a little bit more. Yep. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, it's crazy to think, you know, watching this fight that Frankie Edgar was once the 155 champion because he looked so small fighting Stevens. And obviously this was the first time of the night, and, you know, there would be a time later where we saw a lightweight fighting a featherweight and looking small doing it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I think Frankie Edgar, you know, he probably should go down to 135. He looks like he definitely can make the weight cut without problem. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I think he would have a lot of success there. He certainly hasn't struggled in any of these divisions, and he always seems to look like the smaller guy, no matter who he fights. <laughs> yeah, he could fight Demetrius so, Johnson and look like the smaller guy. Yeah, so I, I have to imi- I have to imagine he can stand to cut another 10 pounds and, and he can get there. And, yeah, meanwhile, I mean, Stevens, a lot of power for 145. But, yeah, I mean, Edgar is just one of these guys that, I mean, he's, he's very rarely going to knock you out, but he's almost always going to pick you apart with significant strikes. And... You know, Stevens almost got him that one time, but like you saw, I mean, he he, he got the good shot in, and then he just didn't follow up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is he doing, man? This is the time where you have to capitalize. If you want to be Frankie Edgar, we see it all the time. He gets knocked, you know, he gets rattled, but if you don't just jump on him and just pounce, then he is going to come back, and he's going to continue to land significant strikes. And if it goes to decision, you're going to lose. So the fact that Stevens, when he got him on wobbly legs, wasn't all over him, that to me was pretty surprising. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I honestly was surprised to see him fighting at 145 on this event, but I guess he just wanted to be on here no matter what, and this was the only fight available. I think he should fight Brian Caraway next at 135. He's like a guy in the top five or seven at that stack division, and he, I don't think he has a fight lined up, so I think that would be interesting. Then he could be a top contender at two weight classes and pick his shots from there. But... Last fight we'll talk about is Khabib Nurmagomedov, who is the topic of conversation a lot after this card. He defeated Michael Johnson by third-round submission after just uh, – well, he got hit a little bit first couple minutes in the fight, but then once he got him, his hands on him, got him to the ground, he was just destroying him with punches. I thought the fight would be stopped a few times over the course of the next few rounds, but he finally gets him in a Kimura, I think it was, um, and – uh, yeah, he won very impressively and called out the chicken, Conor McGregor. So what did you guys think of this fight? I don't know. I, th- I, th- I thought it was pretty much what I expected to happen. Michael Johnson surprised me a little bit in the first round, but Khabib was able to take him down. and I mean, he beat him down in the second and the first half of the third round. and It was pretty brutal. He landed some really hard shots. He does some awkward things. Where he takes him down, ties him up in weird ways, grabs arms, and just pounds on him. And he kept pounding on him until he um, eventually tried to submit him and was successful. I thought it was it was pretty what pretty much what I thought, but the first round didn't go how I thought it was. But I think it's I mean Khabib didn't make hardly any money, which is crazy to me. I know he's been out a lot lately, but he is the number one contender, and he probably should get the next shot. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's there's a lot of surprise. I mean, I was surprised that he got 
hurt so bad in the first round, and then his pay was so low. But I don't see him getting the next shot. I just don't. Yeah. In the UFC, it's not good for Conor McGregor. It's not good for the UFC. He's, I mean, I guess he's marketable, but I don't know. I don't see good things for his future. I think he's going to have to. I mean, I won't say I don't see good things, but I he's going to have to take another fight at least. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Off topic, real quick. How funny is it that he wins a fight and makes fifty six thousand, while Donald Cerrone gets pulled off the card and makes eighty eight thousand just to show? Yeah, that is <laughs> unbelievable, disgusting. <laughs> Fighters Union. What did you think, Alex? Uh, yeah. I mean, so my you know coming in and being a pretty recent fan, I'd actually never seen a Nurmagomedov fight. Uh, I had heard about his style, and I kind of looked him up, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is an undefeated guy. Why hasn't he gotten a title shot at 23-0? and But then I realized like he didn't have an extensive track record against you know top opponents in the UFC, so kind of understood. But, you know, going in and, – and, you know, obviously I had seen the Johnson-Poirier fight. That's, that's my experience with Johnson, and I had seen Poirier in some older stuff too, so I know Poirier's good, and I know Johnson just laid him out real easy. So, you know, coming in, I'm like, okay, you know, Khabib's obviously really good, but this may very well be the guy that's just going to lay him out. Like, Michael Johnson seems very legit. I know this to be a fact. And sure enough, like, early on, I was, you know, as it was going on, I'm like, okay, Johnson is going to get him on the – like, Khabib's not going to be able to get him on the ground before Johnson just lays him out. And, man, it just turns so fast, and Khabib just gets him – I mean, it just – it looked like somebody getting mauled by a large animal – because I mean, he just he couldn't do anything. He's just on his back, just getting winded, and Khabib is just pressing his weight into him and just wearing him down. And it, he just looked helpless. And this is a guy, like I said, who I've just seen decimate a talented warrior. So it was really uh, it was it was it was a moment of silence there for me, where I was just kind of like I didn't know what to make of it. I'm like, wow, this is uh, very very effective, even if it's not fun to watch. But to me, that's part of the problem, right? It's like this style is very effective. But Khabib has basically – he's got to break through the glass ceiling that Daniel Cormier has already broken through. He's got to find a way to be a wrestler that people don't enjoy and still somehow get a title shot. Yeah. And it's easier said than done, clearly. Yeah, no doubt. And there's – Michael Johnson's no joke as a wrestler either. I mean that's pretty much his base, so – Super impressive. And, yeah, I don't think – because Conor McGregor, you know he's going to have a part in picking who his next opponent is. He wants no parts of Khabib right now. I I, wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, why would you? It wouldn't be the biggest money fight. And also it's probably his toughest challenge. So, yeah, I think Khabib's going to have one more fight, whether it's Edson Barbosa or Tony Ferguson or Nate Diaz. I think he's going to have to win at least one more, and he's going to be pissed about it. Yeah, yeah and then meanwhile, meanwhile, Connor's next fight will be for the welterweight title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's definitely not going to be fighting Nate Diaz. I'll say that because Nate Diaz will not be fighting anybody. That's true. Conor That's Gregor. true. All right, so let's move on from that historic event to uh, the week before when Tony Ferguson fought Rafael dos Anjos to toss his hat in the ring for who gets to fight the next lightweight champion at Ultimate Fight Night. No, it's not all. It's UFC Fight Night 98. Um, yeah, Tony Ferguson, pretty impressive in winning a unanimous decision against Rafael Dos Anjos, the former champ. Um, I had a fight 48-47 for Ferguson, like seemed like most people did. I think, I can't remember exactly which rounds, but I know he won like the 2, 3, and 5 or something like that. 
how did you guys score the fight, and how impressive was it? It was it was an awesome fight. It was, uh, I mean, Rafael DeSantos didn't look bad by any means, but Tony Ferguson just looked so, so good. Definitely, it was his moment to shine. It was a big win. And, uh, yeah, I scored it the same way. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't really scoring this one at home, but I was watching it. I did feel like... You know, going in, I expected Dos Anjos to just, like, rebound from the Alvarez loss. I mean, this is a guy who's so successful for so long. And he beat Donald Cerrone, who, I mean, is killing it right now. Yeah. So I was very surprised by the outcome. I mean, I feel like Tony Ferguson, yeah, this is a guy who certainly is not – I mean, he's no joke. But if you look at, like, his list of opponents, I mean, besides, like, Edson Barbosa, like – the last person he fought that I even really recognized was Michael Johnson back in like 2012, and he lost that fight. So, uh, to me, I mean, you know, he's he's at he was always flirting right around the top of the card, but you know, now I mean, this this definitely legitimizes him. This this is the kind of thing that really sets him up for a title shot uh, again, yeah. assuming there was a champion to challenge. <laughs> yeah, I think Connor would rather fight Tony Ferguson than Khabib, but. I still don't know if he wants to fight him, so time will tell. But, uh, yeah, the I think the most impressive part – it was a great fight overall. But the most impressive thing was that all these fighters earlier in the night getting so gassed so fast because it's in the high elevation of Mexico. And both of these guys going crazy for five full rounds and still hanging in there tough the whole time. So can't really say either guy is, like, on the downslope. I think there was just two great fighters that ran into each other and one just happened to be better that night. Yeah. It was, but it was a big stakes fight, and Tony Ferguson definitely pulled through. Yeah, he's one of my favorite fighters just because he's like willing to throw crazy shit. <laughs> you know, at yeah. any time he's ready to roll for submissions and and stuff like that. But I think he fucked up in the post fight press conference or not press conference, but interview because he didn't try to call anyone out or or anything. He was just like, you know, Viva Mexico, and that was it. Could have been yeah. a big mistake. Yeah, he's trying. He's. A lot of people have said that, and I don't know really what his explanation is, but I guess he's trying to let his fights and records like show for show for him instead of the talking. But yeah. then again, he's on a hell of a streak, and he's still being held back from even being really talked about for the title. Yeah, it's a shame. I appreciate that. Like that does that's you feel like that should be the model, right? Especially right. like classic classic martial arts. Like humility is valued, and right, like you know, don't you know. Beat your opponent, but be classy in victory and that kind of thing. But you, you see that, like it, with UFC, that's just not getting results. That's not the path to success here. Unfortunate though it may be. So yeah, I mean, you have this unique opportunity after a win where they put a microphone in your face and will often ask you, "What do you want next?" And it, you know, when I see a guy, you know, I think the the most recent example I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, certainly like. Musasi does this where it's just like uh you know it's hopefully someone in the top five like whoever they want to give me that's fine like no man don't say that like take your take your opportunity call your shot we saw that even mickey gall a guy with no track record was able to do this perfectly flawlessly twice he did it from from a nowhere from like a gym and called out cm punk and got what he wanted and then he did it right afterwards. Sugar Shane Northcutt, I want you, you corny bastard. And he said, you know, Shane Northcutt, you know, Sage, sorry, Sage Northcutt. And Sage Northcutt tweets like, no, this isn't going to happen. Guess what? It's happening. So yep. take your opportunity, you know, swing the bat, and you never know. Like, UFC might like what you're pitching and decide it's a home run. 
And how about the yeah. biggest example of all when Nate Diaz called out Conor McGregor after beating Michael Johnson, even though you know there was no way he was going to be next in line to fight Conor McGregor. And what do you know? Yeah, yep. if you were to ask me after that fight if Nate Diaz would fight Conor McGregor, I would have said you're and, fucking insane. And beat him but, in a welterweight yeah. fight? And then and fight him again three months later. But, I mean, it's proving again and again, time and time again, money talks. And yeah. And, you gotta and that's sell. Why, oh, yeah, sorry. And that's why even though they booed him, I can't at all in any way fault Khabib for what he did or at least tried to do mm-hmm, at the end of mm-hmm. his fight. Because, you know, uh, he calls out Connor. Uh, he calls out the guy that obviously he wants, he should want, he probably deserves to get. And not only that, but at a point he, he like, he, he, he brings it back to, like, an old-school villain move where he, like, talks about how big Russia is. And, like, like <laughs> yeah. that, that felt like so 1980s wrestling to me. But I kind of enjoyed it because I'm like, you know, good for you, man. Like, go to go to what you know. Like, go to what you have. And, he, like, I love that idea that, like, you know, I, I'm not sure if the thought was, like, hey, UFC, I don't know if you realize, like, how many fans there could be for me. Like, I don't know if you think Ireland's a big get. Wait until you see all of Russia come out for a champion. But... Whatever it was, uh, you know, I, I liked what he was trying to do. Yeah, they've been flirting with going to Russia for a while, but, like, I didn't even pay any attention to the Romero-Bisbing thing after the fight, but I took note of what you said, and it's true. I mean, he's trying what he can. He's trying to sell. It's, it's what people are trying to do because that's what makes money. It's it's what you people think you have to do. I mean, that's the proof and path right now with Conor McGregor, but I think that's a special thing. But, I mean, you see people trying it. Everybody's trying it. And I guess that's where this comes from. I think Tony Ferguson blew this opportunity to, yeah. to give this shot I mean, at it. It doesn't yeah. hurt. Worst case, it doesn't work. And maybe they can use it down the road if things happen to line up. Yeah, and it's like you don't have to be Connor and throw a chair and, you know, like go outside <laughs> of your personality. But, I mean, you when you get that mic, you can say, look, I've been beating guys. I've been beating everyone they throw at me. I feel like I'm a team player. I'm a good fighter. I feel like it's time I get, you know, this guy or, you know, this kind of opportunity. Like, that's totally, you know, within within your right to do that in that moment. So I think, you know, you can find a line there. Like, obviously, Eddie Alvarez, he's a very diminutive guy. Like, that's not going to be a guy who's going to come up and just call people out and be very, you know, outspoken. But you can still, you can, like, find that kind of perfect balance where you're not – representing yourself as fake and outside of your character but you're still getting the results you want for your long-term career no doubt yeah absolutely all right i'm just gonna run down the rest of the results of the main card of this event and if there's anything of note you feel like touching on just uh just let me know diego sanchez defeated marston held in his ufc de- debut after fighting in bellator for a while unanimous that was decision. Impressive. yeah impressive. i mean i was surprised for sure held was highly regarded submission specialist and Kind of fought a dumb fight, but Sanchez gets back on the winning track after I thought he was yeah. toast. Um, Ricardo Lamas defeated Charles Oliveira, who missed weight by like 10 pounds or some, oh, yeah. some nonsense. And <laughs> second fight in a row, uh, Dubronx gets submitted. The submission specialist gets submitted himself. Uh, pretty pretty impressive performance for Lamas. Uh, Benil Dariush defeated Rashid Magomedov in a decision. It was a good win for him, but not exactly an exciting fight. And... Alexa Grasso made a strawweight, maybe a future contender against Ioana, but she just came over from Invicta and she won her UFC debut against Heather Joe Clark in a unanimous decision and put a pretty good beating on her. Yep. 
They're looking for that big money fight, probably not too distant future between Grasso and Paige Van Zandt. Yeah, if they can see just, that. Yeah, win a couple, maybe fight each other to see who gets to fight for the champion. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, all right, I guess Bellator had a couple of title fights that are worth at least mentioning. So Phil Davis, former UFC employee, defeats Liam McGeary, the undefeated Bellator guy, by pretty dominant unanimous decision. Did either of you see this fight? I didn't, but I read about it and sounded like Phil Davis fight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, this is one of those things where, again, like like what you just mentioned with the, you know, the debut, another point in the UFC column and another mark where Bellator's like, man, doesn't necessarily make us look super <laughs> yeah. competitive when their guys are coming over and taking our belts and our guys are leaving and losing in their debuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Phil Davis, the guy who was like a top five to seven fighter, but just couldn't yeah, really serviceable. get over the hump. And he goes in there and dominates Bellator, while Liam McGeary, their hotshot prospect, just kind of gets walked right through. But, I mean, that's Bellator. They they can put on some decent fights here and there, but they'll always be the redheaded stepchild, at least for a while. For a while. They're like the senior tour at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's either cartoonish, <laughs> ridiculous fights or, yeah. <laughs> and also, Douglas Lima, I didn't watch this one, but it's it was interesting to me. Douglas Lima knocked out Andre Koroshkov in the third round. Koroshkov, a guy who dominated Benson Henderson so badly in his Bellator debut. Um, yeah, I meant, I meant to watch that. I forgot about and it. And he had I actually did. won the title by beating Lima by unanimous decision, so... Kind of wish I would have seen that, but just it's hard. Friday nights the night before a big UFC event, it's hard. Well, that was during the day. It was in uh, where was it? Uh, Israel or Tel Aviv? Tel Aviv, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Israel. So it was like during the day, but I I meant to watch it. it was they, I kept seeing things about it being on Spike, and then I googled it, and it was over. <laughs> I read the results, so I was like, I'm not that worried about watching it now. And I've read the results. Like it was, I guess, tape delayed. I don't know. Why I like the. I like the idea that they, uh, you know, I didn't really realize this, and I haven't seen this, but I, I'm looking at it now, and I, I like that they, uh, you know, Bellator needs to, if they're going to get over any kind of a hump and represent themselves as some kind of legit competition for UFC, they need to be trying new things and work it. You know, they need to outmarket UFC. I, mean, I talked about how UFC, maybe not marketing geniuses, if Connor's the only one in the building that realizes the value of getting that shot with two belts. Bellator needs to be having people who think outside the box and are coming up with new things. And I think this idea that apparently the co-main event, they had newly signed uh, a former Israeli army veteran who was like fighting a uh, former NCAA Division II All-American. Like that's the kind of thing that like, yeah, maybe it's not super legitimate and maybe it's the kind of thing that like the old school fighting fan is like not thrilled to see. But to speak to the model that actually is said in reality TV and a lot of other places, like if you already have your diehard fan base, they're not going anywhere. What right, you need right. to focus on is the people you don't have yet. And honestly, fights like that, a fight in Tel Aviv with a former army veteran, especially like a noteworthy one, like that's the kind of thing that brings in people who otherwise weren't watching. And that's what needs to be done. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, it's like a World Series of Fighting had the two brothers going in against each other a couple months ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, you got to do stuff like that. Try to pull the warrior. Uh, it's weird. I think that's what Ronda Rousey's biggest draw is. Is she draws people that really aren't MMA fans, UFC fans, you know, like a casual viewer. That's what Ronda Rousey pulls when Conor McGregor has this huge Ireland fan base and diehard fan base and a lot of fans. I think Ronda Rousey's pull was from her other media 
You know what I mean? More casual viewers. That's yeah. Her- <laughs> People that watch Ellen. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like as characters, they're so charismatic and their stories and, you know, their backgrounds and their rise to success are so captivating that they transcend the sport itself. Like they, they, uh, appeal to people who aren't even interested in what it is they're doing, but have become interested or invested in how they're doing it. Yeah. I mean, Kimbo Slice, rest in peace. I mean, he could lose 10 fights in a row and people are still going to watch him fight just because it's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, well, the guy used to be, I mean, didn't he used to, he was like a bouncer for important people and stuff. He, he had an interesting background, an interesting He was like a street so. fighter. They would film his fights and put them on YouTube. That's yeah. how he got his start. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, right, you you have this guy who goes viral before he's ever even stepped foot yeah. in anything. And, yeah, he's always going to be a bit of an interesting story because you have to wonder. And I think it's kind of the same thing with CM Punk. Like, people are going to be captivated and want to see, even if it goes badly, because you know, how does this translate? We've seen him in this one uh, environment and this was very popular. And now how does this person get picked up from this place and dropped into this place? And how does it, you know, how does it play out? Yeah. All right, let's switch to something a little bit different. Uh, We usually do a top five on every episode, but I thought since this was the second super event of, uh, of the year for the UFC, maybe we could create what the next one will be, you know, craft a narrative, come up with, the main card of a pay-per-view, five fights that we would like to see and what could possibly break maybe even UFC 205 numbers. So I don't know how we're going to determine who goes first, second, third, but any volunteers? or I mean, I'll go first if somebody wants to. All right, man. Uh, so are you going to do a fight-by-fight? Fight? Yeah, go from the first fight, the curtain jerker, out of the gate, up, up to the Kona main event and then the main event. You want me to tell my whole card now? We gotta yeah. say first fight. Yeah, do the whole thing. And and what okay. what's the event number? What's going on? What's your narrative here? Well, event number that's tricky. I didn't really think about that. I mean, yeah, yeah. You I would say I would say not too far off. Probably like uh, maybe two oh eight between two oh eight and two ten. So two location <laughs> location. I'd like to be Baltimore. Of course, of course. Nice. Yeah, you could go. To I love to. I loved it when I came here. It was incredible. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. But to top UFC 205 fantasy card, my first fight, realistically, on the card would be TJ Dillashaw versus John Lineker. It's a huge fight. I would love to see it. Um, It has huge implications now that they've tied uh, Dominic Cruz up with uh, Cody Gambrant. Like, realistically, I mean, it probably would get scheduled before my said date but i think that would be a great fight to put on i mean what do you guys think yeah man yeah i, I think sure. it's already on the books for ufc 207 but you never know could oh, get, no. just say it gets pushed back and so there's a little minor injury we have to push it back a couple yeah, yeah either way yeah. it's a great fight i think hell it's yeah be awesome. that's an awesome fight right there so open up a pay-per-view with no doubt um next up since we're going real big i'm gonna go jose aldo versus max holloway we're going real big here topping ufc 205 we're going all title fights from here on out, baby. Oh, my God. Nice. Four title fights. Okay. Yeah. So, at this point in my future, Conor McGregor's giving up the 145 belt. He's sticking at 155. And Jose Aldo is fighting Max Holloway for the undisputed featherweight title. What else do you have to say there, really? <laughs> not much you could say. Next up, not even the co-main event. Still five rounds. Dom, uh, Demetrius Johnson versus Dominic Cruz, two. For the one hundred and yeah, we'll go one thirty five belt. Why not? 
Yeah, man. That's a super fight right now. Maybe both belts will be up, but it would be a great fight. I would love to see it again. I don't think DJ's got much going on besides the ultimate fighter. Dominic Cruz are going to walk through Cody Graham Grant. <laughs> I think it's going to be outstanding. For the I, I would event, love it. I've got Steve Amayuk versus John Jones for the heavyweight title. Oh, shit. <laughs> John Jones come back from suspension. He's reinvented again. He's a heavyweight. <laughs> he's taking a little more Prozac. He's, uh, he's a heavyweight. But I think Stipe, I was going to say Stipe versus like Fedor or something cool like that, but Stipe would piece up any of them, I think. He's a very good boxer. John Jones would be a great challenge with all his elements. Yeah, and it's not like Stipe's a huge heavyweight, so yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I think if he manages to keep the belt maybe a year or two down the line, that fight is probably going to happen. For the main event, just because I think that's how things work these days, Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, I think there's no better way to top a card because I think they're going to make Conor McGregor fight Khabib or somebody for Nate Diaz. We're going a little farther in the future. Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz, three for the main event in Baltimore, Maryland, UFC 2, let's say 210. I right. think that would be the biggest card of all time. I would mortgage my house probably to go to that event. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. That's probably going to beat mine. But Alex, you want to go next? Uh, sure. Let me try to do this. Uh, okay. So just based on the main event that I feel like would make the most money right now, and what I'm trying to do is break UFC 205's pay per view. So or payday. So I, let me go for like a year from now. So let me say All like right. UFC. Let me say UFC two fifteen because I feel like if it's not a a nice rounded. If I said like UFC two seventeen, you know what's the point of making that an important card? So let's yeah, go yeah, UFC yeah. two fifteen. And let's go for like the Staples Center. I feel like LA is going to bring out a lot of uh, bring a lot of eyes to the thing, and also a lot of fighters who want to fight on that kind of a stage. They haven't done that. I was just looking it up since UFC 184, which was Rousey. So I think it'd be good to see them go back to LA, and certainly you can't go wrong from the Staples Center. Um, okay, so starting from the bottom, I think I'd start with let me start with like a heavyweight fight. And I think I want to go with oh – man, that's tough. I, you know, I, I'd love to see Verdun Velasquez, but obviously they're about to fight. Uh, something something that will like, just <laughs> get people excited. I feel like maybe like Overeem versus Derek Lewis. Oh, yeah. Something like that. Just to like you know, get the crowd going. Like that would be a good matchup. Uh, and then from there, maybe uh, I think I'd move into uh, something – Oh, let's see. I think at that point you do you do uh, or maybe this goes on before just based on you know what it doesn't because of how marketable they are. At that point, I do Paige Van Zandt versus Alexa Grasso. Boom. Yeah, man. And Good then fight. Good fight. okay, and then uh, you know from there on out, there's uh, I, I like your idea. I want four title fights. Uh, let's do that. So I guess um, or I, you know maybe there's only three. I don't know. Whatever. Either way. Hey, they were going to uh, have six fights on this pay per view. So okay, all right, you can bend the rules. Six. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, so we'll do six. So let's do um, – yeah, it would be good to see John Jones. I, I feel like it's hard for me to want to book John Jones in anything because it's, uh, it's such a question mark right now. But um, – Note to kill main event for me. Note to kill main event. Yeah, yeah they said he yeah. would never headline <laughs> another show. Uh, 
I like I like Jacare Souza. I'd like to get him in there somehow. Maybe Souza versus Weidman on the comeback. All I right. think that would be cool. Even though that's not a title fight. All right, so now three three that are title fights. <laughs> All right. All right, because I know what my main event is. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, let's do Joanna Jacek versus uh, yeah, Jessica Andraz. I like that matchup a lot. Let's get that in there. I love it. Then we will do uh, Dominic Cruz versus Cody Garber. Well, that's about to happen anyways, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's that's the matchup I want to see in that division. So, yeah, let's do uh, Woodley versus Maya. All right. I think that would be cool. I feel like, you know, maybe that'll happen by then. But if not, then let's see that. And then the main event, Conor McGregor versus George St. Pierre. Boom. Well, that would be gigantic. That is going to break some records. I'll tell <laughs> yeah. you, like, just, just in and of itself, the numbers that that fight will generate, I, I can't even imagine. But people, yeah. uh, you know, new fans, old fans, every, you know, casual fans, hardcore fans, everybody would tune in for that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they should be bringing GSP back right now. I've heard that they feel like they need to reintroduce him. That's just bullshit, <laughs> to be completely honest. I mean, I think... GSP versus Conor McGregor. I mean, how does that not break records? Yeah, yeah. that's that would be amazing. By the way, Derek Lewis would totally lamp Alistair Overeem. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would right. like to see that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all I right. love those heavyweights. <laughs> Mine. Have, I actually wrote down UFC 215 myself, so great minds think alike there. Cool. I originally wanted to put this main event as the long-awaited GSP versus Anderson Silva fight, but I just... I just couldn't do it. I think there were too many storylines to go with the Irishman after 205. So here we go. Next July, late July, early August, stadium show in Croke Park, Ireland, UFC 215. All right. Card starts off. The fight we were promised and got ripped away from us a week later. It's Donald Cowboy Cerrone versus Robbie Lawler. What better, better way to kick off a pay-per-view? That's a great fight. <laughs> Two gangsters throwing down. I was trying to find a way to work Lawler, and that's a good way. Yeah. Um, next up, since Connor's going to be the main event, it's still a mystery against who to this point. But the next three fights are pretty much potential storyline setups for the future. We got fourth from the top, Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson in a top contender fight. Let's just say Khabib got a minor injury. That's why this got delayed until okay. late <laughs> That's next <realistic>. year. <laughs> yeah. So awesome fight there. And now, yeah, top three fights, all title fights. First up, I'm going to say that Tyron Woodley and Stephen Thompson had their rematch in February or March. And I'm going to say whoever won out of that, let's just say Woodley keeps his belt, fights GSP, third from the top, for the welterweight championship. Okay, I'll I, say, I don't know uh, why you would say that, but what Thompson's you... definitely going to win that race. <laughs> I could get down with it, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll say GSP also fought on the same card that Woodley beat Thompson in the rematch. He beat Damian Maya in the co-main event there, so that's why those two get matched up here. And then Very interesting. co-main yeah. event, you got Jose Aldo finally making his re- re-emergence after talking retirement. He fights the winner of Anthony Pettis, and Max Holloway, which we're going to talk about in a little bit at UFC 206, but I'm just going to say Anthony Pettis wins that fight, just to be a little different than you, Brooks. 
So right. Aldo right. Pettis in the in the co-main event, and of course same main event as you, Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz part three. Yeah, uh, I just like the way this would. I think McGregor would win just because I think, especially with the added weight cut for Diaz, I think he won't be quite as durable as he was at 170. And McGregor's only getting better. Um, and Nate hasn't fought in a while; he'll be rusty. So McGregor yeah. will win, and then, or even if he lost, there's so many ways it could go. He'd still have the lightweight championship. So then, if he lost, he could fight the winner of Khabib and Ferguson. Or if he won, he could take his pick of fighting the winner of. Aldo Pettis, Woodley, GSP, Khabib, Ferguson, whichever would be the biggest money. So wait, so what weight is Connor Nate at? It's going to be lightweight championship. Oh wait, okay. Uh, so yeah, if he lost, he would fight Aldo. Never mind. But yeah, <laughs> you get my point. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, and I think this is somewhat realistic. I don't think it's completely realistic, but I could see it happening. I just think it's too well, far off in the future. Like since he did well, since we're talking about six fights and all, and a little bit farther in the future and maybe in the past. I've, I've honorable mentions for me were Brock Lesnar versus Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah, um, that would be cool. I would also like to see Stephen Thompson versus Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> Thompson versus yeah. anyone. I'm down. Yeah. Oh, and even, even though I like these guys, I'm going to change one thing. I'm going to take off Chris Weidman, Jacare Souza, and put on Rousey Cyborg. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I was hoping... now we're definitely breaking records. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was hoping someone would have that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's gonna be a money fight. I mean, it's it, assuming she gets through Nunez, which is no guarantee. And that would be the last fight of her career, whether she liked it or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I guess if anyone out there is listening and wants to pick which one of those cards they're giving their money to, let us know. But, uh, They're all good choices. Oh yeah, man. Maybe throw up your own fantasy card. Yeah. See who's got the best. Let's hear it. I'd pay, I'd buy them all. All right. <laughs> so there's one news item real quick. Is uh, John Jones finally got his suspension handed down to him from USADA, a one year suspension, which was the max that I think he w- could have been facing, and his inter- interim belt was stripped. So he still has to have a hearing with the NAC, I think. And hopefully they will just confirm that one-year suspension. Yeah, I was going to say, it could, only, it could only get worse. Yeah, I mean, John Jones is dumb for what he did. Sounds like you know, he had a dick pill. It sounds like a ready-made <laughs> excuse to cover yeah. up something, but I love watching a guy fight. I want to see him back in there, so I'm all right with the one-year suspension. Um, yeah, he's incredible. What do you guys think of this? It's just yeah. mind-blowing that it's the second time in – Two years he's had a title strip. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, crazy. What was going on? And I love John Jones. I saw him fight. Like I said, went to Baltimore. It was amazing. I loved watching him fight. He put on a great performance. I've been a big fan of him. But well, I haven't been a big fan of him for a long time. But I learned to appreciate him. But he just he just blows it at every opportunity. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's such an unbelievable combination of skill in the octagon and just terrible judgment out of it because i mean yeah like you said for for a guy to get stripped of a belt twice you have to be really good obviously you got a belt twice and you have to be really dumb you got it taken away twice that's insane i mean you know you you feel for the guy on some level but you can't i mean you can only defend and excuse certain things for so long and 
I I especially feel for him in that he came out and you know, like made himself look kind of dumb with this whole like sexual enhancement pills <laughs> situation. And I think the the entire reason to do it, if it's not true, I mean, obviously if it's true, like telling the truth as embarrassing as it is should set you free. But if it's not true, then he really just kind of like you made up a really <laughs> yeah. embarrassing story. It still got a year, which is not <laughs> what he was hoping for. Yeah. So he, either way, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, I, I know he wasn't thinking he would get, he would get a year. It sounded like he was very optimistic before this. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, this is just, you know, he, he certainly isn't winning in the court of public appeal anytime soon. If he expects the benefit of the doubt, I don't know, you know, what he's looking at because his track uh, yeah. just doesn't I, allow for it. I completely agree with that. And like you're saying, like, he's very optimistic and it's got good reason to be because a lot of people have been popped by USADA. UL Romero? Yeah, and they go in and they test and they find tainted supplements. I mean, two different people, including USADA, went and tested two different things that John Jones took and found it the tainted, uh, tainted supplements or whatever he took, tainted pills. But he still got a year compared to y'all who got six months. Like, there's a precedent there where they know he's been on thin ice. Yep. That's got to be the reason why he got a year because, oh, yeah. I mean, he... He had all the evidence, just like everybody else, but his case was not quite as produced as everybody else. Yeah, he's going to go down as a cautionary tale of potentially wasted talent. Obviously, he's still got a lot of time if he plays his cards right. But I mean, this is what—I guess this is what could possibly happen when you rise so fast at such a young age to superstardom, and you surround yourself with the wrong people. But I'm hoping he gets his shit together and. And gets back to doing John Jones things. I mean, he's still basically undefeated in his career. His only loss is an illegal downward elbow, uh, yeah, thing with against uh, <laughs> Matt Hamill. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's crazy though. I mean, what if something happens where he makes a chocolate milkshake and it pops positive, like chocolate three strikes? Milkshake. I mean, yeah. well, I, mean, I know what, what like you mean. A chocolate That's protein true. shake and it pops positive. Like, what happens with this third strike? Even if they test it, like. He could be gone for a while. Like it's just—he's on very thin ice. I can't believe it's gotten this far. It's like hard to even comprehend. Like, (laughs) check your Hershey syrup, man. Yeah, right. (laughs) All right, let's move on to. There's a lot of. I mean, the next pay per view is like less than a month away, and there's so many cards in between. So let's get to. There's two this weekend. Yeah, a double header. Uh, First one on Fight Pass is UFC Fight Night '99. Headlined originally headlined by uh, Dong Hyung Kim versus help me out Brooks uh, Gunner Gunner Nelson, Gunner Nelson. yeah yep. and then Nelson Love that got name pulled. yeah awesome name <laughs> Gunner Nelson got pulled for an injury and they just said screw you Dong Hyung Kim we're not finding you a replacement we're kicking you off <laughs> and they randomly pulled together a rematch between Gegard Musasi and Uriah Hall yeah. Mus- Musasi can by high break this guy had a f- I mean, not a fluke, but a rare, rare knockout against Hall a year or two ago. Has done nothing but win ever since in impressive fashion. Just destroyed Vitor Belfort. Yeah. And he just he can't get a top contender fight to save his life. So I think this time he's going to rebound against Hall and just put it to him. I don't know if he'll finish him, but I think he'll he'll win a decision at least. Yeah, I agree. I think this is just something he had to do because how clogged up the middleweight division's gotten. Yeah. But I think after this, it's already quite cleared up. I mean, 
Jock Ray is now looking for an opponent, I think, still, right? Well, yeah, I, I wonder if they'll rebook him against Luke Rockhold, but yeah, he's it depends on, right yeah, now. It depends on how hard he is, but if Musasi can come out of this with the first, second round win or yeah. even just a good decision, he could be fighting Jack Ray next and it'd be right there. So I think yeah. it's just something he has to do because it's been so clogged up in the NE cards. Stay active, Still, stay in the line yeah. of sight, yeah. Yeah, like, sure. I, get, I get why it's a rematch. I mean, because that's his last loss, but it's also Hall's last win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hall's... Hall's coming off of back-to-back losses to Whitaker and Brunson, two guys that are below Musasi now in the rankings. So based on all of that, I feel like he should be getting uh, Jacare now. Like, Jacare's last win was Belfort. Your last win was Belfort. You guys are at the same spot in the ladder as far as I'm concerned. Like, that should be the fight. I'm very confused by this. I, I don't know if Jacare's just not ready yet or, you know, I, I think he has some kind of undisclosed injury, which is why he – didn't end up fighting Rockhold. I think that was supposed to be the match. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, all I can figure is that there's just no one else available right now. Well, I, I think it was a scheduling thing where they scheduled Rockhold and Jacare, and Rockhold actually pulled out uh, after, okay. they, after they made this fight. it was. I think it was just – I agree that they probably should have made that matchup, but I think they just jumped ahead of themselves. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it just seems weird. And, I, like I said, I get it, but it's like it's not like – if Call was coming off a win over Brunson, this would make a lot more sense to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, th- I think this is <laughs> – they already had to cancel one fight uh, card just because BJ Penn got hurt. So I think this was just them trying to save some face from having to do that again and just slapping something on there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll watch it. It, <laughs> it just – I don't know. It's not exactly the most interesting main event there is. Right, and especially with, with these international events, right? Like they canceled on the Philippines. Yeah. yeah. You, you disappoint the entire nation of the Philippines. You don't want to – Screw over Northern Ireland again, no, too. not with... Co-main not event with. is Ross Pearson versus Stevie Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Who is Stevie Ray? I only know him because of that uh, uh, MMA simulation game that I played. He rose out of nowhere to be a contender, but... Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, Artem Lovov is on the main card. This is one of these things I don't understand. Sometimes it's very strange. Like, I get maybe guys aren't knockout artists or whatever, but... Yeah, I mean, why are, why are guys I haven't heard of who are, are nowhere near the rankings on the main card if you've got the number eight and number four flyweights facing off on the prelim card of this same time. Mean, they've got Kyogi Horiguchi facing Ali Bagutinov on this card, but it's in the, yeah. it's like buried in the prelims and yeah. they've got uncle creepy Ian McCall, who I actually really like yeah. on the prelims as well. So why are these guys who are like just signed or like whoever they are getting on the main card? It's just weird. I don't know if they think that flyweights because there's never knockouts, like people don't want to see that on the main card or there's really knockouts. But for whatever reason, that is always strange to me where these flyweight, like, you know, two versus three and three versus five, they'll just end up on prelim cards in random places. Yeah. I mean, Horiguchi versus Bagatinov is the best fight on this card. Should be the main event. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fight I'm the whole, trying to watch on here. <laughs> the whole thing is on flight pass, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Rooms, but Good point. I mean, it does. It's the ordering still doesn't matter. I mean, it does make sense. Like it Ian doesn't. McCall should be co-main event. Horiguchi should be up there. Artem Lobov, he's probably like he shouldn't even be in the UFC. <laughs> he should, yeah. Like I, don't I guess that, who but. knows? Maybe Stevie Ray is huge in Ireland. I guess maybe yeah. it's a demographic thing, but. Love yeah, on there it. because he's Conor McGregor's sparring partner, and yeah. that is the only reason. No doubt about yeah. that. Stevie Ray was born in Scotland, this says, so yeah, I guess yeah, that's that's going to be a factor, especially once you had uh, Gunnar Nelson pull out. I mean, he's Icelandic, but it's still at least yeah. in that general wheelhouse, it's funny I suppose. 
<laughs> it goes so much to Connor's team here on the island card with Connor with State only with Connor, Lubov, Siri, and, uh, maybe even. Yeah. 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 Maybe I mean also sometimes when they put these random people in main cards that I don't really know who they are, it tends to be like there are some big prospect that I just wasn't aware of yet. So who knows? Maybe that's the case, but it is odd. Yeah. And then later that night, we travel down to Brazil, or over to Brazil from Ireland, and we have a Fox Sports 1 card headlined by Ryan Bader versus Little Nog, <laughs> Rogerio Nogueira. I mean, I think this was originally supposed to be Gustafson versus Little Nog, but he got hurt. Mm. Ryan Bader steps in. Again, not exactly a very interesting main event. I think Little Nog fights like once a year. He's... I don't know, one and two in, or one and three in his last four fights. His only in Brazil. Win, yeah, in Brazil. His last win was against Patrick Cummins, who wasn't really much of anything. Um, yeah. And Ryan Bader's taking this fight, coming off a win over Alir Latifi. I understand it from Bader's perspective. Take this fight, uh, get a hopefully get a win against a name opponent, and keep that streak going. And at light heavyweight is by far the weakest division in the in the UFC right now. So. Yeah, what do you guys yeah, think of this it's one? Not, it's not even that I have that much wrong with that fight. It's just, to be honest with you, I didn't even know this card was happening. I was <laughs> yeah. so overshadowed by everything. I didn't know it was happening until I saw a commercial for it on the highlights I was watching for 205. Like, that's how I find out, found out about it. So it's been very overshadowed. It's not that far off. I mean, there's no good reason to be promoting it, but I didn't even know yeah. it was happening. So. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's these cards are the reason that WME is cutting back from like forty-six <laughs> yeah. a like, year to like thirty, thirty-two. I read MMA news every day, and I did not know this card was happening. <laughs> yeah, like this is another one where I think similar to the card we just talked about, ninety-nine. Uh, you look at the main event, and it's like the same situation, but plus twenty pounds. Yeah, exactly. Like Ryan, Ryan Bader is the Gegar Mousasi, who probably deserves a better opponent. And, you know, Little Nog is the Uriah Hall who is, you know, not necessarily had a good track record recently. And but he's 40 years somehow old. <laughs> finds himself fighting someone who you would think would be in the top contender mix. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I feel like Bader's next logical opponent should be, like, Glover Teixeira or somebody, right? Like, or Bader's Gustafson. right on the yeah, cusp. Glover yeah. just dropped off the cusp. Like, to me, it's just that's a logical, you know, conclusion thing. But, but what do I know? Yeah. Um, you know, again, like you said, yeah, I mean, I guess Gunner had to pull out, or Gustafsson had to pull out, but why is Gustafsson fighting Little <laughs> Nog? I mean, that doesn't seem like the matchup either. Yeah. I, I don't get why. It seems like there's some element of, like, a Lifetime Achievement Award in the UFC where, like, Dan Hendo as the twelve as the number 12 ranked contender gets the title shot and Little Nog gets, you know, these top opponents and stuff like that. And that's okay, but if you're going to have rankings, I feel like it becomes hard to justify these decisions when you've got a guy like Bader and he's number four and you look around and you're like, well, number three hasn't fought in five months. It's the, you know, what's the deal there? Like mm-hmm. you, you create these problems for yourself by having the rankings and not following them. Yeah. Again, this goes back to this whole Conor McGregor thing where they really stretch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But that, I mean, that makes sense. Finan- he was not even ranked among lightweights. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> but that makes finan- uh, financially sense. Uh, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. But, this uh, doesn't necessarily. But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough spot they were in the replace the main event. I do see something of like no quality Gadalia back on this card. Yeah, I was going to say, like, also kind of similar to the Ireland card is that there's a couple people, a couple fights lower on the card that are more noteworthy to me anyway of than the main event. Like, Thomas Almeida is fighting another undefeated prospect. 
And yeah, yeah like you said, Claudia Galdea is coming back after losing an awesome fight to uh, Janjacek against uh, Courtney Casey, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I'm more interested in those two fights than the main event for sure. Also, yeah. uh, Justin Scroggins down there as well, who's yeah. fighting at bantamweight it looks like even though he's a flyweight contender yeah i was hoping to see that fight against uncle creepy a while back but yeah yeah that'll be interesting he's a pretty decent young guy yeah very young uh and then i think after that we have a we're taking a quick detour to bellator just because they have an interesting main event with the lightweight championship michael chandler versus ben henderson in his <laughs> he has his second bellator fight and his second title fight in a different division Let's see if he can pull this one out. Uh, I kind of think he's not going to. I think I could definitely see him winning, but Chandler, to me, he's bounced back since he had a rough stretch there a couple years ago, and I don't know. I think he's going to put it to Henderson a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I could. it's weird because it, we'll see what Ben Henderson looks like against – we'll see what Michael Chandler looks like against Ben Henderson. Right, really, right, right. But Michael, I mean, uh, Ben Henderson just got – Demolished. I mean, by Korskov. I mean, demolished. He should not. Have, I mean, it didn't look like it was two weight classes near him. Yeah. So to throw him into the title shot right after that loss is just crazy. I could understand on any other circumstances, but that. But to give him this title shot is just like you can tell there's no justification. There. I mean, it's only name on their matchmaking. It's it's pretty wild. Yeah. Like the difference. This is basically I mean, Bellator versus UFC. This yeah, fight, as, so. well as ass is not as ass nine as fucking UFC's matchmaking gets. They wouldn't do something as dumb as that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that is unfucking sellable to a hardcore MMA fan. It does feel like Benson Henderson is you know they're like Donald Cerrone on steroids, where it's like <laughs> yeah. we need you to fill a gap here or five days notice. Like, can you do it? And he's like, got to be that guy. And I hope he gets paid to reflect that because that's no easy feat to be like jump into the welterweight and jump into lightweight and but he does seem to be like like i don't know what they do without him they really need him at this stage i think no i agree they need him but i don't even I'm, i don't even know if that's the case i just think that's the it's decisions they made and where they're at you know what i mean it was yeah he had plenty of time yeah. since that loss and they've just given him the title shot there's not much to it you know what i mean yeah it's just they're so thin in a lot of weight classes so Hopefully, I mean, I I want competition. I want, I I love the UFC and they're my number one. But I would like to be able to say, you know, Bellator on Friday nights, UFC on Saturday nights. But hopefully, they work their way up to that level. Also, yeah. uh, Michael Page, Michael Venom Page is on this card, which is notable because he fractured or caved in Cyborg Skull, like you mentioned earlier, and then threw the Pokeball at him. So uh, we'll see see <laughs> what he can do to top that on this card. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a very interesting fighter. He's, some people say he's the next Anderson Silva. Well, that's still to be determined with competition and whatnot, but he's he's definitely impressive. Yeah, entertaining. Uh, all right, let's move on to Ultimate Fight Night uh, 101, taking place in Australia. This was the one that pissed me off because I was so psyched to watch Jacare versus Luke Rockhold, the, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the sequel. Uh, I watched... I think that was actually one of the the first time I ever seen Jacare or Rockwell fight was when they fought each other for the Strike Force title a while back, and that was an awesome fight. And I was yeah. they've both improved since then. It's such a shame that uh, Rockwell had to pull out, but f- fortunately they did have a really good co-main event that they could promote, which is Robert Whitaker 
against Derek Brunson, two guys who are fighting to be the next guy up from that. The the two prospects that are trying to go from like eight to ten range in the top ten to break through to at least Gegard Mousasi level, if not the very top. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, I, I don't know who to pick here. I think Whitaker's the better boxer, the better pure striker, but Brunson is such an athlete and he's got the power advantage. I think this is gonna be a really good five round fight. I think Brunson might find a way to put a stop to it later on in like the fourth or fifth round even if he's lost the first few rounds yeah I I like Robert Whitaker a lot I think he is striking his hometown he's gonna have it behind him to land the right strikes to win the fight I think he's gonna take it but I was also thinking earlier it's weird I guess it was just a matter of scheduling that they pulled complete, I mean I guess it was smart if they want to keep Rockhold Jacare for a later date but it's kind of weird to me that They've kept Jock Ray pulled when Tim Kennedy just got pulled out of a fight. I know they moved the Evans fight, but they could have like taken uh, Tim Kennedy and Jock Ray and put him as the main event of this card. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks away, they're both in great shape. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess it was probably just a matter of scheduling, but they definitely could have done something like that. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, I get the value. At least you know Whitaker being the New Zealand guy. Right. Yeah. Like, all right. We've got we've got the element that ties to Australia, so I, I can uh, see yeah. why putting Whitaker. On the card is makes a lot of sense, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 options here, and is it really necessary that we like? Can't we have two decent middleweight fights on this card? We just need Whitaker <laughs> and Bronson and a bunch of people I've never heard of. Exactly. I guess I've heard of Cam Camo- uh, Chris Camozzi, but beyond that, uh, I'm looking at a lot of names I've never seen before. Yeah, yeah, or at least like uh, Talis Leites I've heard of, but who's he fighting? It's like if you've heard of him, they're not fighting anyone else you've heard of. Yeah, yeah Kyle so. Nook. I mean, heard of him, but Omari. Actually, I've heard of Akhmadeo. So, I mean, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, mean, I don't week, know where that stands stuff. in the welterweight division. I think yeah. this card was be- like hanging on. They have cards where they're pretty solid all throughout, but then there's not like an amazing main event, and then there's one with a great main event that have kind of weaker undercard, and this might have been one of those. But yeah, so the the next week after that, we get the Ultimate Fighter Season 24 finale, which is actually a pretty good card here. You got a title fight where Demetrius Johnson is going to walk through whoever wins that tournament. <laughs> uh, hey, come on now. Brandon Moreno showed that, uh, you know, first one out of that tournament, and then he beat a ranked contender. So yeah. I think that, if nothing else, that added a little suspense to something that probably had no suspense before. I do like the season. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think it's cool how they did yeah. all champions from different, uh, you know, companies and yeah, and it's a pure tournament to see who's going to get it. I, I don't know who's going to be that guy, but I just can't see them ever beating Demetrius Johnson. But at least, hopefully, it's a good fight. Hey, but yeah. they said the same thing about Matt Sarah, didn't they? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh-huh. true. I have to say, this is like the first season I've actually watched since Ronda Rousey season, and the fights are good. The trash talk, I guess you'd say, between the coaches, not very good. No, yeah. But um, the fight there the con- would be better. I guess the content you get. I mean, I don't know. I'm not very into for, like, reality shows. Maybe you guys have a different take, but <laughs> I don't think the content is that good. No, you're right. Fights. It's not a you're great right. reality show. It's well, the- and, and you know, certainly, I think some elements create better, better drama. I mean, when you've got Rousey and Tate, like that, that's just going to naturally build. When you've got Connor and probably anybody or Bisping and anybody, that's going to build to some degree. Benavidez is trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can tell like he, he wants to you know you be a character, but 
he doesn't really seem like that's like really in his wheelhouse. And then Henry Cejudo, bless him, but I mean, he's just too. <laughs> too good of a guy like he can't be compelling like you can just tell this is a guy who like gets up and just you know does everything by the book drinks his milk yeah. you know you know says his prayers gets to bed on time like he's such a good dude that it's, it's like it's it's very hard to see much coming from him that's not just gonna make you be like yeah 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 he's so good nice he's, of him. he's so good he's almost clumsy like yeah i mean weird. john cochran would call him vanilla ice cream and so would i <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but that's the next fight. Joseph Benavides versus Henry Cejudo, the coaches. What's with all these Olympic wrestlers and just this, like, <laughs> cl- clean American, like, persona? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess that's just the way they're brought up. But, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be the best fight of the night right there. Uh, I do think it's weird that they were the coaches and, like, they're the guys that couldn't beat Demetrius Johnson, but they're going <laughs> to teach people they're probably going to fight at some point to how yeah. to beat him. I don't know, but... I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, both guys are really good fighters. Uh, obviously, they both lost to Demetrius. Jonas, Joseph Benavides is who I think is going to win. I just I don't think he's ever lost other than a title fight. And he's just so solid all around. Great boxing, good wrestling, submissions. He's actually got power for a 125-er. And Cejudo, I think... He's he's obviously got the wrestling. I think he just falls in love with the striking a little bit too much. He doesn't wrestle as much as I think he should in his fights. But sh- I'm I'm definitely interested in watching it. But I got Joey B. Man, doesn't that sound familiar? Never yeah. lost besides in a title fight. Team Good Alpha wrestler, Male. Period. Yeah. Strong striker. That sounds very very familiar. <laughs> yeah, Uriah Faber. Anyway, <laughs> Even it is. Maybe maybe that's all it is. I don't know. Yeah. I was just going to say, it is interesting. Yeah, between these two guys, uh, what, like, I guess it's, uh, is it five losses and they're all to either Demetrius or Dominic Cruz? I mean, yeah. neither, you add, you, you add both these careers together and those are the only two obstacles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty but crazy. It is that glass seating, ceiling for both these guys. So, it, yeah, it's interesting to see them finally face off. Who who you guys got? I got Joby. I agree. I think he's going to pull it out. I Joby I think his uh, takedown defense is probably up to snuff to defend Cejudo. Uh, Johnson dismantled him, so I think Benavidez can definitely put up a good fight with him. I think he would pull it out. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree, but since you both went Benavidez, I'll go with Cejudo. Yeah, and I like him anyway, so I want, I, I want to root for the guy. Yeah, yeah. I, he's younger. He's seen, he probably has more upside. Like yeah. I think Benavidez is probably as good as he's going to be, which is pretty good. But obviously not good enough to win that title. So, yeah. Seems like, like a that. sweet young man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So you got Jake Ellenberger coming off an impressive knockout victory over Matt Brown when he needed it the most. Looked like he was on the cutting room floor if he lost that one. <laughs> He's going up against Jorge Masvidal, who he was scheduled to fight someone that I think just fought on two or five, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, but, yeah, Kelvin Gastelum, I think he was supposed to fight. Um, but yeah, that's a pretty interesting fight here on this card. I'll take Masvidal because I, I think Ellenberger might have saved him his uh, UFC career by knocking at knocking out Matt Brown. Sorry, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't. I think he's over the hill still. I think it was just a flash in the pan. Yeah, I agree. I think Ellenberger's done. Um, I don't see much coming out of him. I think Masvidal's hungry. That's more his weight class. I think he tried lightweight. Maybe I'm wrong there, but yeah, he bounces um, up and down. 
Yeah, so I think I don't think Ellenberger's got anything left either. I think Masvidal easily takes it. It's crazy to think that Ellenberger's only 31 years old. Yeah. I mean, guys had so many fights, but yeah, I, I, it's tough. I mean, that was a win that. I think it probably speaks volumes that he beat Matt Brown, and they still have him ranked below Matt Brown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, I think Masvidal, he, he's always flirting with the rankings board. He's, uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was going to fight Gaslam. You're right. I mean, and they, they pulled up. So, you know, clearly it shows a lot of what they think about him. He's coming off the win against Ross Pearson. Uh, yeah, I like him. Yeah, and I think Elmberger is just a, a statement of how fast the sport evolves because just five years ago, he's one of the top contenders at 170. He's got he's so one-dimensional, though. I think that's the thing that's changed the most is that people that could get by with being good at one thing, now everyone's good at everything, and he's still just got that power right hand, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah and a great chin. Yeah, and a great chin. Well, he's taking some beatings, too. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, he can that, take a hit. That fight against Diego Sanchez a while back was Pretty crazy. Steven Thompson, man. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I guess the last fight to talk about here, there are a couple other names on here, but Alexis Davis versus Sarah McMahon, two girls that I have in my top ten at women's bantamweight. And uh, Alexis Davis haven't, hasn't fought in quite a while. Uh, again, Sarah McMahon, the Olympic medalist. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of breaking down on this fight, but I think Alexis Davis is going to get it done. Yeah, I mean, it's, like you said, they're in the top ten, but the, the, I feel like the top ten of the band points a little bit yeah, of a stretch. Yeah. It is. With people like Katz and Gano and I think the it's, likes of that. It's just but, a matter of time before like some younger fighters come up and overtake these types of veterans that are good, for sure, but just not great. Yeah, maybe we'll get to 125 and get some play in there, but maybe that's not the whole answer. But I agree, I think... Uh, I think Alexis Davis is going to get it done. Sarah McMahon's been around the block. Yeah, yeah. I think probably probably the most interesting element of all this to me is that you've got Alexis Davis uh, coming off of her pregnancy. She hasn't right, fought right. since April of fifteen. So, yeah, I mean, you never know. Like, is that something that is she, you know, gotten all the way back in shape? Is she really is her heart still in the fighting the way it might have been before she's a mom? I mean, you know, I'm kind of interested in that element and that side of it. Uh, and you know Sarah McMahon. I mean, she's yeah, she's very good. I mean, Jessica I is certainly very good, and you know she beat her most recently. Um, I think it's an interesting matchup. And but like you said, this is like they're certainly not quite in that like Cad Zangano, Rocky Pennington territory. To me, they're a little lower down. And yeah, I mean, whoever wins this fight, I think like certainly is can can put themselves like certainly in the top 10 like right there ar- around where like Carmouche and Betchcohe are mm-hmm. and you know they that um you know puts them on the up track I think Alexis Davis it's interesting that she took a year off cuz she's still so young that it, a, a win here would definitely set her up very well and you know her only loss in recent history is Rousey so yeah yeah I I wouldn't be surprised if she comes back and doesn't look like she's missed a step and that's a great point about uh, the women's division, that's just something you obviously don't have to deal with in the men's is that if these girls want to start a family or women, excuse me, uh, want to start a family and, you know, have a baby, they got to take some time off. And that's uh, that's pretty tough. Yeah. But yeah. They, no. So I'm interested to see like, you know, and certainly there's like physiological elements to that where yeah. it's like, you know, sometimes people gain weight that it's like for no reason. And they're like, all right, well, now I've got to like, like, I'm sure she had to put in a lot of work to get yeah. back to the awkward. Well, don't they say that, uh. Some moms can lift a car up to save their baby. Uh, 
Maybe she's yeah. got some added strength. <laughs> Super Saiyan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some kick-ass moms in that division already. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's certainly, certainly possible for her to, you know, rise now post-pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> the UFC headed back to New York December 9th, not wasting any time in Albany. Uh, if Derek Lewis wants his shot at Alistair Overeem at UFC 215, he's got to get through Shamil Abdurakimov first. <laughs> um I never heard of Abdirakimov, but uh, I have no doubt Derek Lewis will just do Derek Lewis things and put a hurting on him. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know much about the other <laughs> guy either. Yeah, what I mean, I think what Derek Lewis was supposed to fight on that Philippines card against uh, uh, Tyson, I mean Tibera, Marcin Tibera, I think. Uh, but yeah, he just beat Roy Nelson, and all of a sudden he's fighting no names. It seems a little odd to me. I think he's a guy that you could sell in the heavyweight division. He's pretty young for all the old guys that are in the top ten there, and marketable. He's he's great on social media, and he he's hits hard. Yeah, I mean, put him against Mark Hunt. Put him against somebody. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I you know, and and then right after it, you've got Francis Ngannou fighting. And why isn't Francis Ngannou fighting Derek Lewis? Yeah, that's, like, that's a much, much better more fight. sensible matchup. And then Anthony, I mean, I guess because the, the other thing is that Anthony Hamilton has just recently fought Abdurakhimov. But, yeah, I mean, Abdurakhimov is an opponent for Lewis. I mean, this guy literally just barely in a split decision beat Walt Harris. <laughs> Walt Harris is a name that you haven't seen on the leaderboard any time in the recent yeah. future or in the recent past. Yeah. So it, it is. It's a it's a very strange decision to me, and there haven't been like a ton of like really. I can't even think of uh, like obviously the the card in Cleveland, the Stipe card was it was somewhat heavyweight focused. There was a couple heavyweight fights there, but there haven't been a ton of heavyweight fights lately. So it's kind of surprising to me that we can't find someone a little more sensible as a Derek Lewis opponent. Like uh, I don't know, what's Orlovsky doing? Is he not ready? Like you know, uh, Rothwell uh, Barnett. Like so many of these guys are often like back so quickly. Yeah, I, I guess there have been a lot of fights now that I look at this card. Like Hoppa Browns fought recently, Hunt not that long ago. Verdum and Velasquez have each other, but I just can't imagine that there wasn't a better matchup here. Yeah, I would love to see Derek Lewis fight uh, Travis Brown because man, yeah, <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, but the best fight on this card again, I think, which should be the main event, is Aljamain Sterling versus Rafael Sunsau, two top ten fighters in the stacked bantamweight division. Uh, both guys coming off Sterling, the first loss of his career against Brian Caraway in an upset, and then Sunsau to, you know, a guy who could arguably be fighting for the title right now, T.J. Dillashaw. They get to fight each other for some space, and Sterling is a New York native, so that's a homecoming for him. Uh, I just love this fight. I think. Sunsau, obviously more experienced, more well-rounded, but I think Sterling's going to come in with a fire after his first career loss and really wanting to prove a point that he is more than just uh, a prospect who who flames out. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's kind of silly how this isn't the main event. Yeah, it doesn't seem like self-explainable. But yeah, I think it, it, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say I think it's really cool. Anytime you have like two clearly elite fighters who were on like sick win streaks coming off of their first uh, or coming out their first loss in a long time or in Sterling's case his first loss ever. I mean cuz yeah, Asuncao before losing to Dillashaw, he reeled off well, I think seven straight, yeah, which is, including Dillashaw, right, you know, right. a, a victory over Dillashaw earlier. So, yeah, I mean with both of these guys, uh, I I've always fascinated by the mentality like 
the idea that Ronda was, you know, undefeated for so long and then when you lose, like, where's your head at? How do you rebound? How do you still consider yourself, like, you know, the beast that you thought you were before now that someone's put you down? So, like, the psychology of the sport to me is maybe one of the most interesting elements. And so the fact that both of these guys were so dominant and have both each lost to top opponents and now face each other, I mean, it, it creates a compelling story regardless of the characters because – no matter what happens, somebody's going to come out of this looking right back on track, and somebody's going to come out of this thinking if maybe they need to change divisions or if there's some like serious problem with their career. It's a very interesting, very high stakes situation. Yeah, you gotta yeah. You, you need confidence in this sport to really uh, maintain your momentum. So one loss can really derail your whole shit if you're not uh, get your head back into the game. It's a good yeah, point. If, if you're not Conor McGregor, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you take a step back and really look at this fight, this is a huge fight, and it's kind of stupid that it's not main event. But it's like in the middle of the I, card. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's you got John Volante ahead of him, like, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. better billing. Yeah. But uh, I think I don't know. This is a tough one to call, but I'm going to say Asante is going to pull it out. Right. Sterling, just I think he was a lot of flash, worried about his image, like being a Conor McGregor, and slipped up a little bit. He was worried about his contract. Big time, and Sanz has a nose to the grindstone. Brazilian, I think he's going to come in, use his technique, and maybe even TKO Sterling. Not a bad. I mean, I could definitely see it. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to the the next pay per view, the big one in Toronto, UFC 206. Kind of, sorta, getting lost in the shuffle between the big cards in 205 and 207 between McGregor and Rousey, but. It's really turned into a pretty decent card thanks to the, the fights that fell off at 205. You've got the main event, uh, a rematch between Daniel Cormier. He has no nickname. I was a DC, I guess, uh, yeah. against Anthony Rumble Johnson. First fight, uh, Cormier took some huge shots that were like shotgun blasts to the face and managed to survive and then wear out and submit Johnson. Uh, what, are we going to see a, a similar thing here, or has Cormier aged a little bit and maybe his chin's a little weaker? What do you guys think? I don't know. I think he did a little more than wear him out. He, he yeah. took the shot and he dominated him, and he did wear him out and beat him down and smitted him. But he broke his will. I mean, they were about to throw the talent for Johnson. It was it wasn't just wear him down. You know what I mean? Definitely finished him. Yeah. So I'm. I don't know. I don't see much different in his game. It's not like Johnson took that fight on short notice. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult. I mean, stylistically, like you said, I don't think anything's really changed with Anthony Johnson. The knockout power was always there. Cormier ate that punch and still came forward and got him on the on his back. So that's, to me, the key. If Johnson ends up on his back, I don't know that he's learned something new that can stop like a guy who's that good at wrestling. I mean, he's so good. Uh, how can any? We haven't seen anyone really have tons of success if Daniel Cormier has got them on their back. So, I, I'd be shocked if we saw a different outcome, unless you know, like you said, I mean, that it, the the possibility always looms that when Cormier comes in for the when he shoots, if Johnson lands one really clean, that's going to do it. But if he's not knocking him out, if this if this is going more than two rounds, I can't imagine how Anthony Johnson's winning it. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. It's just a tough matchup. I think both guys are what they are. I don't think there's any evolution going on here at either points of their careers. Yeah, like you said, if 
I think if it gets past the first or second round, Cormier is going to cruise to either another submission or ground and pound TKO or at least a decision. But my head says Cormier is going to win a pretty fairly boring decision after an entertaining first round. But my heart says that Cormier been through a war against Gustafson. It's been a year or two or since they last fought. He is getting old. He's in his upper 30s. Um, and I I don't know. I I want to say that Johnson's going to crumble him because the fight I want to see is Anthony Johnson versus John Jones because we've never I seen – I think we all do. Yeah. We've yeah. never seen Jones face someone with that kind of power, one-punch power. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah? I don't I don't understand that, that want to see that fight. And this is coming from – the biggest Dan Henderson fan in the world, where I just wanted to see Dan Henderson, quote unquote, test John Jones's chin. But we all know that ain't gonna happen. He ain't gonna let him nowhere near his fucking chin. Ah, no chance. I kind of disagree because the thing about Jones is he's so good, and he always seems to fight his opponent's fight. It's like he wants to prove how good he is by, all right, I'm fighting. Uh, you know, uh, Glover Teixeira, well, I'm going to stand there and box in his range the whole time, even though I yeah. could take him down and destroy him on the ground. I think he would want to try to prove that he could take an Anthony Johnson shot, and I would love to see if he could. Well, maybe if he wants to prove that he can take the shot, but I don't... He does do that, I agree. I can, you, you're not wrong, but I just I just don't think Anthony Johnson is that good. I don't... He doesn't have that... I mean, he's a, I mean, he's big, but he's not a big light heavyweight. Not John Jones light heavyweight. I think John Jones probably has fucking ten inches of reach on him. <laughs> That's true. Something close to that. I don't think he would get. I think he'd be swinging those big wide hooks, and John Jones would have his hand up, stepping back and countering all night long. Yeah. It's insane to me that the guy who like probably you know we would argue has, you know maybe the the most power in all of the UFC. Like obviously he's he's a light heavyweight, but this guy fought at welterweight for like the first time. Yeah, how crazy is that? I can never get over that. But I I do think like yeah, I mean if he can get in there and land a punch, like I mean he can drop anybody. But I always come back to like John Jones has like an eighty-five inch reach, which (laughs) is so disgusting. It's the same as skyscraper Struve, (laughs) who's like like a foot taller than he is. Like (laughs) it's just gross how long his arms are, and it creates just such a natural defense. Where it's like, you know, Rumble Johnson, having been a former middle or middleweight and welterweight, obviously his reach is, you know, significantly shorter, I think, what, uh, 78 inches. So, I mean, that's a sizable reach advantage that's just going to always present a problem. Like, for him to get in there, you can't think that he's going to land a good one without Jones getting to touch him first. Yeah. I think if Johnson loses his fight, which I think we all think is probably the most likely scenario, uh, I think unless he gets a fight at John Jones in his first fight back, I think he's going to go up even higher and go to bulk up some more and go to heavyweight. I would love to see that him versus some of the heavy hitters like Derek Lewis. Come on, yeah, well, that's where my card comes in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talk about Connor and, and people being versatile to move weight, but yeah, a guy who once fought at one seventy <laughs> fighting at two fifty. Come on, man, yeah. that's insane. <laughs> yeah, he 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 wants all the belts. He's someone that actually could get all the belts. That would be wild. <laughs> so the co-main event, we got a hell of a scrap. My the fight I'm looking forward to the most, Max Holloway, nine fight win streak, Max Holloway against Anthony Showtime Pettis, who dropped down from lightweight. Obviously, he had the lightweight belt, and then lost three fights in a row, which I think is crazy. He's always wanted been one of my favorite fighters, but did not look good there towards the end of his lightweight run. Drops down, looks great against Charles Oliveira. It wasn't an easy fight, but he submits him. 
and uh, gets a shot here where he's won this fight away from a title shot. Uh, just a fantastic stylistic matchup. Max Holloway, a diverse striker against Pettis, who is just explosive. can kill you with one shot to the liver or the head. Um, I think I think Max Holloway is the better all-around fighter. But he's Pettis, when he loses, it's against a guy who's pinning him against a cage, uh, sapping, putting the pressure on him, sapping him, wrestling him. Holloway's going to try to strike with him. They're both pure strikers. And I can just see Pettis hitting him with something hard to the the chest or the the uh the the gut and just stopping him and pulling on the strikes after that to get a TKO but man it's a hell of a fight who you guys got that is a hell of a fight and it's crazy that it really is happening i mean i never thought anthony pettis would be a featherweight like you said that three fight losing streak that was very out of character but I've been all over Max Holloway. Um, I mean, I haven't been all over him, but with my fantasy card I have, and I predicted the future. I think he's going <laughs> to pull it out. I think he's too good for Anthony Pettis. He's too young. He's too fresh. Anthony Pettis is just, I don't know. I just don't. He worked with uh, Greg uh, Jackson, but I just don't see it. He, he hasn't showed up too many times, and I think, Holloway shows up every time and he's going to take it to him. Yeah, the thing that always really impresses me with Holloway is, uh, I, I guess, like his endurance or his cardio. I mean, the guy is always moving. He's always going. He seems to be, like, not only is he young, but he's just, like, so energetic. Like, he, he, he doesn't have a lot of need to, like, change gears and stuff because you can just tell he, he very rarely gets out of breath. He's He's the kind of fighter that, you never really would worry about, I don't think, going, you know, for extended rounds. And I feel like, you know, when it comes down to a Pettis, he's really good all around and he's got a really strong ground game and all this stuff. But ultimately, I want to I want to lean towards Holloway just because I feel like this is the kind of fight where both guys are tough. Both guys are going to endure a lot of a lot of shots and you know as it goes i feel like the longer the fight goes it favors the younger like you said fresher guy in max holloway yeah the one thing though is that pettis is probably going to have a size advantage here um i don't know if that would play a part or not but it could be interesting the only thing i'm disappointed in is that this is only going to be three rounds i would love to see this over five because i i think they both have great chins i don't i don't think there's going to be a knockout to the head i think it's going to have to be like a a gut shot so yeah just two elite strikers would have been cool to see you go five rounds on a main event on a fox sports one card or something but i'm not going to complain anyway we can get it i'll take it yeah it definitely goes back to what we were saying with the previous cards like this is easily something that could have been one of those main events yeah definitely um the next fight down we got rashad evans versus tim kennedy i got deja vu i think we just broke this down in the last episode but uh I think yeah. <laughs> I think we both had Kennedy by decision just because Evans, I mean, he looked good in that picture he posted. Looked like the weight cut wasn't as big of a problem as I thought it would be, but I just still think injuries have diminished him a little bit. And Kennedy, yeah. he's a he's pretty big for a, well, a middleweight himself. I think he'll just find a way to get it to the ground and kind of control him for three rounds. What do you, What do you think, Alex? We haven't heard your take on this. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with Rashad Evans. I mean, you're right. He has he has lost a lot. Uh, yeah, like four of his last six. But 
you know, you look at the losses. They're, you know, they're um, incredible, incredible light heavyweight opponents, none of whom I think Tim Kennedy could touch. John Jones. True, that's true. You know, maybe you could argue Ruggiero Nagara, but, or Ruggiero Nagara, but Bader, Glover Teixeira, I don't think he's getting a hold of those guys either. So, and the fact that three of those went to decision, I mean, obviously Rashad Evans, he's lost a step, but I don't know if it's so much of a step that he can't hang with. A guy who is, you know, only what? I mean, he's, he's 12th on the middle middleweight board. So to me, this is almost a situation like uh, Pettis Oliveira, where you've got an opponent who is your, your uh, meal ticket right to the middle of the card. Like, you can beat this one guy and get yourself right in the mix. I feel like it's a great opportunity for Rashad Evans. And, you know, no harm, no foul to Tim Kennedy. If he wins, he doesn't really move because the guy wasn't on the board. Yeah. And if he loses, you know, well, he lost to Rashad Evans. That guy clearly showed that he's going to be a force at middleweight. So I think just based solely on incentives and, and that kind of thing, like I just think Rashad Evans is going to be hungrier, and I want to go with him for that reason. Yeah. I must say, I must say I saw pictures of Rashad close to middleweight. I guess right before his cut, and it reminded me of when Leon Machida went down. He looked ripped. Yeah, he did. He looked yeah. in really good shape. So and I before said that Tim Kennedy was going to run through him, but maybe it would have been a better fight. Maybe it will be a better fight than I previously thought. Yeah, and yeah. Don't, don't. And I mean, to, to Kennedy's credit, I mean, his only losses in recent memory are Jacques Array, Rockhold, and Yoel Romero. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm definitely going to be rooting for Evans. I think it would be awesome if he found like new life in a new division because i mean anytime you can just like when machida dropped down he kind of had done what he could do at light heavyweight so he dropped down to middleweight and all of a sudden you have a new top contender out of nowhere i like that so i hope i'm wrong but i still think kennedy's gonna win we'll see um all right so next up is another new one that came out this week we got donald cerrone cerrone cowboy cerrone bouncing back from his cancellation where he still managed to pocket $88,000. He's <laughs> getting thrown in there with a fight that I've been begging for since it was first announced that he was going to be moving up to welterweight. Two dudes who were just pure violence. It's uh, Donald Cerrone versus Matt Brown. Uh, I think this is just a perfect scenario for Cerrone because I think Matt Brown is an easier fight for him than Gastelum. And I also yep. think it's going to be more entertaining for the fans. And I think the name value, even though Matt Brown has been on a bit of a losing streak, obviously coming off that knockout loss to Ellenberger, I think Matt Brown has a bigger name than Gaslam. So I think this win could catapult him even further than a win over Kelvin could have, and it will be an easier fight. So I think Cowboy will – it'll be a – I think it'll be a really fun fight back and forth for the first round, but I think Cerrone will wear him down with some shot. Brown is uh, – susceptible to shots to the body, and I think Cerrone's going to take advantage of that. I think he's a better all-around fighter, so give me Cowboy every day of the week. Yeah, I I have to agree with the decision, but I, I, it's hard not to get excited about, uh, about Cowboy. I'm a huge fan, always behind him. It just kind of sucks. Like I'd rather see him in his last fight because I've always been a Matt Brown fan, and I don't want to root against him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I don't want to say I kind of know he's going to lose. Like, I mean, I guess you don't know anything, but... I would not put the odds in his favor, which kind of sucks because I've always liked him, but he's definitely getting up there in age, and he's got some holes in his game, but he's a tough, tough dude. Yeah, I don't so think he's going to get cut or anything. No, but I just definitely see Donald Cerrone, even at welterweight, throwing some good combos, some good shots, like you said, and wearing through him. Yeah, I understand the appeal of Matt Brown because he's been around so long, and he's a guy that, like you said, is so tough, 
But as a recent fan, I don't share it. I yeah, guess I can I would see say. that. Because yeah. it's, it's hard to like come in and see a guy who, I mean, yes, he's dropped four of his last five. He doesn't, to me, and I've gone back and watched some old fights, but it doesn't look like the same fighter that beat Steven Thompson in 2012. Not at all. Uh, this guy who got knocked out by body kicks from Jake Ellenberger. Uh, it's, it's like, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where Cowboy, as good as he's looked in everything I've seen him fight in, which, you know, again, his 2016 looks so strong. Uh, it's just hard for me to envision a scenario where Matt Brown is going to get up for this. You know, losing to Ellenberger, maybe that, like, lights a fire under him, but at 35 with the, uh, his records 20 and 15, like, it's just hard for me to see him, you know, making the push now. Yeah, I can agree with you. Have you checked out his fight against Eric Silva from a few years ago? Uh, I feel like I have seen that. Okay, yeah, yeah, I feel that like that was, was recent enough. Where, <laughs> yeah, UFC Fight Night 40. Yeah, I did catch that. That is an amazing fight, and that's kind of what really pushed me over the top as a Matt Brown fan. And he hasn't exactly been the same ever since. But, yeah, I think you're right. It, Cowboy, he's he was great at lightweight, obviously. Then he moves up and looks somehow even better. So, yeah, I think Cowboy, he's going to win this fight and go on to bigger, better things. Robbie Lawler opening up UFC 215 next. (laughs) Last fight on the main pay-per-view card, we got a featherweight bout between Cub Swanson and Duho Choi, who is a really fun fighter to watch. He doesn't have a big name yet, I don't think, in the sport, except for hardcores, but man, this guy... He's got a big name. What's that? He's got a big name, huh? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Phonetic, phonetically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um yeah, he's a entertaining as hell fighter. He's got a huge right hand. He is a knockout artist and this should be a really fun fight. Cobb Swanson obviously has the bigger name here. He's um uh, not phonetically, but he's got the uh bigger appeal, uh higher ranked. I think this is a true test for Choi. He's put on some great performances against lesser fighters, but Swanson's no joke. He's a legit top 10 guy, so if he can get by him, uh, he's going to step up the ladder. And I think he will. I think Swanson has seen better days, even though he's still pretty young. Uh, that fight against Frankie Edgar, I think, took years off his career. And he also yeah. had a tough loss to Max Holloway. So give me Choi in a, a late knockout. Thrilling fight to open up the pay-per-view. That's, that's a good call. That's a good call. I... Actually, actually, that's really good because Cub Swanson's, like you said, he's been through a lot and mm-hmm. he's getting up there. I just don't know that much about Choi to call that. I'm going to have to go with Swanson. He's a veteran. His experience is going to pull him through for a decision. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like do some research on this because, yeah, I've, I've seen some Cub Swanson fights like you talked about. I've, I've definitely seen that Max Holloway fight. And I've seen, you know, what he's done in 2016, uh, even though it's just Hakran Diaz and Kawajiri. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I really haven't seen much of Duho Choi, except the Tiago Taveras fight, where he looked really good. Yeah. And Tiago Taveras is a guy who submitted Clay Guida, Clay Guida in, like, 39 seconds. So, like, that's not bad. Uh, so I, I like the upset call of Duho Choi. I feel like I want to go with that. Nice, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Cub Swanson, of course, infamous... For his like ten second flying knee knockout, double knee knockout to Jose Aldo in the WEC, always a fun, f- <laughs> short fight to rewatch. Yeah. And the uh, the only undercard fight I think that is worth note is Nikita Nikki Thrills Krylov against Misha Serkinov. Two very 
interesting names to pronounce against each other, but it's like the only two legit light heavyweight prospects right now. So really fun fight. I think uh, winner of this, we might have an actual prospect in the light heavyweight division. <laughs> uh, give me Krylov. I think he he's looked really good. Better His uh, UFC debut was just horrendous. He came in as a heavyweight and looked absolutely terrible. But over the few years that he's he's been in here, because light heavyweight, he moved down. It was, because it's so weak, he's been able to slowly improve his game and just get better and better. So I think uh, he's going to finish this one on the feet. I'll take him yeah, by well, knockout. I'm going to have to... Take your word on that one because <laughs> it sounds like a fight that should be in Dagestan. Yeah. To me. They but, should do it. I mean, I don't mean anything by that, but um, I'm going to take your word for it because I don't know much about either one of them. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, and I, I don't really either, but I feel like just from, you know, looking at their records and kind of like what they've done in recent memory, like Krylov has had so many more fights in the last few years. Sirkinov, uh, like, and, and, and He's he's had several opponents, but I mean he's really had he, he stepped it up in fifteen and sixteen. But I mean Serkinov didn't have a lot of fights for a long stretch there. Meanwhile, Krylov was fighting guys like Ovin St. Preux and Walt Harris and Soa Pulele. So I feel like that kind of experience is gonna play a factor, surely. So I want to go with Krylov. Cool, yeah, and that that's pretty much it for two or six. It's not the deepest card, but it, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I you know, I'm a I'm not a big fan, but I even recognize a couple other names on here like Valerie Letourneau and John McDessie. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, definitely. Dustin so, Ortiz, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting. Again, Zach Mikowski, that's decent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that'll do it for us. Long episode, but I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, definitely appreciate Alex you coming on here. Um, big fan of your work. If you want to tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, this was a blast. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to get to talk UFC. This is like the first time I've ever sat down with people who know UFC and really talked about it. So it was, awesome, it was yeah. uh, definitely a treat for me. Uh, if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Alex Kidwell. And yeah, often I will tweet about uh, UFC stuff, like probably this weekend. I'm not going to be doing much but watching fights. So if you're you know into UFC stuff and you know stupid jokes or whatever, you might find that interesting. Uh, and you can catch me talking... Uh, like Big Brother and Reality TV on RobHasAWebsite.com and also occasionally uh, some other like scripted TV stuff like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead and stuff like that over at PostShowRecaps.com, which is kind of like our sister project site. Yeah, big fan of all that. If you're a fan of Reality TV at all, that's the place to be. Subscribe to that podcast for sure. Uh, I am on Twitter at The Oriole Report. Brooks, are you on Twitter? <laughs> I can never remember. Brooks is no longer with us, so uh, you can Uh-oh. follow the podcast. Oh, okay, here he is. I am no longer on Twitter. I mean, I am not on Twitter. I've okay. never been on Twitter. I've never really gotten into it. All right. Yeah, yeah. I always get mixed up with you and Joel, who's my co-host on the movie podcast. So uh, follow okay. the podcast in general at Red Belt Report. Um, yeah, and if you want to subscribe... You can just search on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcast for the Red Belt, Red Belt Report. Or if you are a fan of both podcasts, just subscribe to the Red Box Report and we'll show up there as well. So uh, until next time, thanks for listening and we'll see you later. Yeah. No pipe did harm, no battle drum did sound its loud. Turn
Your cherry M3 bang every MC easily. Take that. Easily. Recently, niggas frontin' ain't saying nothing, so I just speak my peace. Keep my peace. Cubans with the Jesus peace. With my peace. Packing, asking who want it. They got it, nigga flaunt it. That Brooklyn bullshit, we on it. Sometimes your world is just hypnotizing, and I just love your flashy ways. Guess that's why the broken you're so. Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your world is just hypnotizing, and I just love your flashy ways. Guess that's why the broken you're so. U